Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Two thousand twenty-three and the Monday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger ninety-five point nine, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy. I'm the host of this fine program today. I've got the whole crew on at, at parts of the show. As we got Brant Dontree, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy here with me today. You also hear the voice of Cam Berry in one of our pre-recorded interviews a little bit later in the show. Of course, we've got some of those great interviews for you this afternoon. As Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart will join us live at 4.15. In the 5 o'clock hour, we will have Jordan Rogers on. That was the pre-recorded interview, so we'll play that in the 5 o'clock hour. And we also have one or two guests that might be popping in live at some point today, uh, time permitting. So uh, we'll keep, uh, keep an eye on that. And, uh, of course, we'll have our commentary from throughout day one here of SEC Media Days as Things starting to wind down a little bit as far as the coaches are concerned. Commissioner Greg Sankey, of course, kicked things off as he always does a couple of hours ago, so we'll have thoughts on that. We will be planning to take phone calls at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. One triple nine Tiger Nine. Although, of course, depending on what's going on here, might have to keep those a little briefer uh, or a little more brief than than usual. So, uh, bear with us with that. But again, excited to be in Nashville for the first time with SEC Media Days. Again, Ryan, Tom, Brooks, and Brant with you here for the time being. Tom, sir, you uh, you had a long trip this morning. You made the trip today, and uh, yep. glad glad that you could make it up here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had to work last night, so I uh, had to get up early this morning and get on the road. And uh, yeah, got here and got on the shuttle over here to the hotel, so where we're at, the Grand Hyatt. And I'm very happy to be here. I'm always happy to do SEC Media Days, and you know, kind of catching up and seeing a lot of folks that I usually only see about once a year. And uh, so it's nice to see those guys and uh, and and get to say hey to them, hang out, and then. You know, just kind of being a part of this. Uh, I mean, for anybody that's never experienced this, I mean, we're we're sitting kind of in a portion of this hotel. I mean, we're just surrounded by other radio tables, radio stations, and some TV stuff. And I mean, it's it's a it's busy. It's like a, a ant mound full of just stuff going on. So I'm excited, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to get it going. Yeah, we're uh, kind of tucked away, almost in the corner. Uh, we've got a, uh, a little bit of a, a view blocker right behind Tom, but we've got a lot of about half the radio shows are set up on this part of the hallway here on Radio Row inside of the second floor of the Grand Hyatt here in Nashville, Tennessee. Brant Daughtry's first SEC Media Days. Brant, how are the vibes so far today? The vibes are fantastic, man. Really excited to be here. It's, I mean, it's a who's who of uh, Southeastern Conference college football. It, it, everybody is here all at the same time, not just media personalities, but, I mean, 
Uh, we were in there earlier for an introductory press conference from Greg Sankey. I went and saw Jimbo Fisher's presser a couple of minutes ago. I mean, guys that you see on TV all the time, and here I am less than 20 feet away from them. So uh, really, it's cool, man. It's, a, it's about what I expected. There's food everywhere. There's people everywhere. And like Tom said, it's just an anthill of activity. But it's really cool to be here. I'm having a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, uh, we're into we're into Monday. We've got three more days left of this, and we're not done today. So uh, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot to do still. And then Brooks Childress, this is the first time in Nashville, like uh, like it is for all of us. But uh, this is SEC Media Days number four for you, Brooks, I believe. Quick math, maybe five, 2019. Four. No, it's four because there wasn't 22. one in 20. Yeah. So this, how are you feeling today? I am doing great. It is, uh, it's a new area. It, that, that's the fun thing about since we've come into uh, the, the world of SEC Media Days uh, a few years ago is it was always in Birmingham, and then they started moving it our first year here. Our first, me and you, Ryan, our first uh, Media Days was in Atlanta before they went back to Birmingham and then back to Atlanta and now here. And so it's been kind of a different experience than a lot of people that have been veterans of SEC Media Days have had. Uh, and so it, it's a nice, it, it's a it's a great setup here. Uh, it, it's obviously since it's a different location, it's a little bit different than the other uh, two venues we've been in, or I guess three venues because Radio Row switched venues in Atlanta uh, last uh, last time they were there. But it's a great uh, great town. Nashville's a great town. Been here uh, once before. Spent about a week here once before. So it's such a great town. We had a great meal last night as we came into town uh, and got set up with our uh, our accommodations here and. Man, it, it's it's fun to be back and see. You know, we're basically by a lot of the same radio stations we always are, and so it's nice to catch up with some some folks we've met before and and make new friends around here. And of course, uh, throughout the day, you know, you always get opportunities to be fed here. You have oh. a, you have a snack situation going on. We've had everything from croissants to moonshine today. No, we have not actually. <laughs> consume moonshine although it would make it would make it better and make the show (laughs) more interesting uh but uh we there's an array of offerings here uh that is for sure we start things off today in a little bit we'll get to the auburn bank phone line but want to start things off today recapping a little bit of what commissioner sankey had to say to the main media room of course we plan on getting the commissioner of the southeastern conference on at some point this week and we will set that up pretty soon but uh, Commissioner Sankey, with not earth-shattering news earlier today, we were all kind of in that main media room uh, taking in what he had to say. The Q&A part, I think, very insightful, especially towards the end there with more questions about conference realignment and schedules and that sort of thing, guys. But, you know, nothing earth-shattering today for sure. Uh, what, what, if any, takeaways did you guys have uh, from the main me- media area and um, all the accomplishments that Commissioner Sankey touted as well as some of the questions that he took later on. For me, the thing that stood out about what Greg Sankey said today is he spent, uh, of his 30 minutes or so, spent a little less than half of that talking about the current state of NIL and how it's a good thing and it's going to grow the game and you know it's a thing that might be necessary, but uh, it absolutely is not in a good place right now. And he really put the onus on on Congress. He said that this needs to be a national legislation because right now it's just it's an amalgamation of state laws that these kids are having to wade through uh, and that these schools are trying to deal with and occasionally getting a competitive advantage from. And he says that he he really thinks it needs to be put on national legislation to make a more uniform policy as to what NIL is and how to properly regulate it. And that's something I want to ask him about whenever we do talk to him is 
you know, he says he doesn't want to limit the flow of money, but he wants to regulate it. And I want to know what the difference between those two things is. Yeah, and you know, we, he mentioned about when we knew about this that there was a contingency of uh, folks from the Southeastern Conference uh, member schools that went up to Washington D.C. about a month and month and a half ago and tried to uh, have a, a lobbying session with Congress and met with a lot of the Congress uh, congressional leaders and. We saw all the pictures coming out from Hugh Freeze and Bruce Pearl and uh, the likes of that up, uh, folks up there uh, for Auburn's contingency to meet with uh, with representatives. And, you know, he brought up a good point that, you know, I hadn't really thought about is when you're deciding, when, when the kids here are deciding on where to go to school these days and with the NIL, you have to, your parent, you and your parents have to go through all the different state laws that has to, that governs different, uh, the, that governs the NIL uh, around the country, because you know, a, a issue or a, a example was brought up in the in the main media area was the new Texas law, and it it, it very much differentiates from other states' laws, and so it, you have to it, it's another layer onto the the recruiting cycle for these kids and for their parents is they've got to sit down at a table and not just look at scholarship offers and say who's the best coach and everything, it what's the best program is which state has the the best NIL laws and. You know, it's just another layer that's added on top of it, and so the 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 quicker you could get you know, a national uh, coverage uh, law of some some sort would uh, it would help the it would help the uh, the kids and the parents uh, to be able to uh, better understand what they're getting into when it comes to NIL. There's always an angle or two that the commissioner uh, relays to us that has not been previously thought of. That's why he has the job that he has. He thinks about all angles. Uh, of it and you're right about the nil part of it is you know as much as we talk about the uh the the more malicious stuff going on that's the stuff that makes the 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 head headlines that's the stuff that gets teams in trouble that's the stuff that's kind of more eyebrow raising it is possible to break the rule in a non-malicious way or break the rule unknowingly and the way that that can happen is, as the commissioner points out, different legislation in different states. Well, oh, this was okay in Texas, but it's not okay in South Carolina. Or this is okay in Kentucky, and it's not okay in California. In different states, by playing by different rules, that is something that, again, to be completely forthcoming, I'm still not where I want to be on knowing every single state's stuff because they all are different and that's why the the desperation is still I would I would say it's desperation to try to get uh, a more unified approach to it but something else uh, important that I thought Commissioner Sankey talked about was the very last question that he was asked he was asked about all right Oklahoma and Texas are coming what's next is there more realignment on the horizon and he had a lot of thoughtful comments that I jotted down on it. And, of course, you know, part of it is, look, they really – Texas and Oklahoma reached out to the SEC. It was not the other way around. And I think Commissioner Sankey has been talking about it in this tone for a while. He does not want college football to continue to become more super conference heavy. He says the SEC is already a super conference because of the successes. He's not wrong about that. But obviously, when we think super conference, we're thinking like four 20-team leagues or, or something maybe even a little bigger than that. And he's been very careful to continue to say, if we're not done in realignment or expansion, it's not going to be 
because Commissioner Sankey is going out and reaching out to more teams. It's basically in the hands of some of the other commissioners and of the other other conferences to continue this ball rolling because Commissioner Sankey really kind of wants things to stay the way they are and, and not continue them. Even talking about when we when we talk about expansion or realignment, we're just providing updates on Oklahoma and Texas to the league because that's been complicated enough for us. We're not talking about other teams or that sort of thing. So I found it interesting that I, while the SEC tries to lead – in a lot of different ways in, in college athletics and in sports and certainly in the success realm, Greg Sankey absolutely is not trying to lead in the Armageddon of college football and the continuation of of the Super Conference and, and the realignment, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, it's – it's uh, <clears throat> he, you know, he, he's he, – like you said, he mentioned it, he's never been uh, a commissioner that has gone out and sought out other – other teams to bring in it, it's he you know he made it very clear when it first got announced and then he made it very clear today that texas and oklahoma reached out to them and they didn't go searching to try to poach a team from another conference and you know i, I think that's the big the big uh the i don't know what you would call it the big uh, hit word now is poaching a team from another conference like you know you, you mentioned like oh maybe the the pac-12 can poach a team from the mountain west or the big 10 can poach another team somewhere else it, it's the it's the teams that are coming into the southeastern conference as uh, texas and oklahoma wanted to be here and they want they they reached out and said hey what can we do can we get in on this and they they were able to they worked with them so i don't think you know personally i don't think the SEC is fully done expanding. Not, maybe not in the in the near future, but down the road a little bit. I, I think the SEC could expand a little bit more. But it, it, like I said, it's not in the forefront of everybody's mind. It's not right here. It's not you know 2026. We're going to add two you know two or three more teams. But it's going to be down the road. Somebody's going to reach out and say, "Hey, we like what you're doing over there. Can we can we get in on this?" Well, the one big thing is going to be what happens with some of these other conferences. And whenever you're talking about like uh, how soon could you see it, there's already issues with the ACC and some of the teams there that has, have been very publicly talked about. So um, yeah, I mean, I like what I like that Greg Sankey, you know, is making it clear that he's not out there reaching out for it. But we all know the drill, and we know that there's very good 90% or upwards possibility that somebody else is going to ask the SEC to join. We just know that that's bound to happen. So uh, it's, good to, it's good to hear him say that he's not out there, quote-unquote, poaching teams, but obviously he leaves that open-ended on, you know, well, you know, if people ask to come here, then we'll review it and see what happens. So. I, you know, I'm not convinced in some form or fashion down the road that, that teams like Clemson and FSU will be a part of the Southeastern Conference. I don't know that for a fact, but it just feels like that that's where that's leading to eventually. Do you want it to lead that way? Like, like if you had your say, would you rather everybody chill out, kind of operate as is going forward, or, and I realize that that might be fantasy world, or do you want – Basically, we just to get up to 18, 20, 22 teams a conference. I, I mean, it, it, the more you add to the SEC, it's just gonna it's gonna keep complicating things with schedules and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's already bad enough people trying to get used to the schedule that's going on right now. However, I also understand from from the team aspect of those that are in the ACC, if they're not making the type of money that they can make in the SEC, then I understand their desire to want to come and join the conference. So, you know, 
I just I don't think I I think the SEC can be stronger even than it already is by adding some of those teams. Now you got to be careful who you add. I mean, you don't want to be you don't want to just be adding to just add. But if you could if you could bring in somebody of the clout of a Clemson or a Florida State, then sure, why not? But you know, you don't need to be you know stretching stretching yourself so thin and just bringing in everybody. We're I, I think oh, that it, I, I think there another thing to look at is the SEC did this to kind of initialize this first wave. If not every conference does this, do they want to go ahead and expand? I mean, if, if every other team stays somewhere between 10 and 15, somewhere around there, does the SEC want to make it 20? Or, or does it want to not cannibalize itself? Because like, if, if the Big Ten stops at USC and UCLA and the ACC doesn't expand anymore, then why does the SEC need to keep keep getting bigger and stronger when it's already bigger and stronger than the other conferences? Now, I know the answer is money, but does the SEC want to cannibalize itself by bringing in even better teams when it's not necessary when they're already having the this level of success? Yeah, and again, I mean, you listen to Sankey clearly, although they try to lead on a lot of things, they're not trying to lead into the, the super conference space. I mean, they already feel like they've got a – robust conference enough and they do and so i think that's why it's interesting is again making it clear that if the sec adds it's because either someone else reached out to the league not vice versa or uh some other conference really just kept going and pushing the pushing the ball up the hill and just kept going on that front we're going to take our first time out of the show today when we come back we'll go to the auburn bank phone line for the first time you're listening to the monday edition of sports call live from sec media days in nashville here on tiger 95.9 Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. FM and the Tiger Communications app. Don't worry, folks. We're going to be well-fed up here. Uh, we are going to be well-fed. Uh, Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry. And uh, we're about to, instead of going to the Auburn Mac phone line, actually, we're going to uh, have a, a special guest now on. As uh, as we told you, you know, we're always welcome, always uh, apt to have, uh, have some guests on during the program. And uh, now we're pleased to be joined by Jason Caldwell inside the Auburn Tigers, 247 Sports, as uh, things get kicked off here on a Monday. Jason, it's it's odd to see all the Auburn beat up here on a Monday. Usually uh, on Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday is when we see everybody, but it's good to see you, man. How, how yeah, are things? Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, normally it's uh, everybody's packing up, getting ready to leave as Auburn's getting, uh, <laughs> as Auburn's getting done. And uh, today, you know, have a chance to, to be on a Tuesday, get some things going. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, you know, these days can become tedious pretty quickly, and this one already on day one has a little bit. But obviously, you know, with Auburn going tomorrow, I have a chance to uh, get a feel for Hugh Freeze and, and, you know, 
the fortunate thing is we've had a chance to talk to him a good bit. And so we've, we learned a lot about this team in the spring now is how does it come together in the fall? And I don't know that he'll have many answers until they uh, get on the field. And, uh, look, I mean, we've got so many new faces to talk about because there are 20-some-odd transfers on top of all the new uh, freshmen and that sort of thing. That's kind of the state of college football, especially when you're trying to rebuild as qu- quickly as Hugh Freeze is. What do you think of the job that he did do this offseason in accruing talent not only from the high school ranks but from the portal? Yeah, I mean, I think – they did exactly what they had to do, first of all. Uh, this team was not going to have much of a chance to, to win many games unless they had done what they did. Um, so they were able to go out and, um, especially on the lines of scrimmage, those, those were an absolute must. They had to have, you know, offensive tackle. Dylan Wade, Gunnar Britton, Avery Jones at center were huge, and then defensive linemen just from a depth standpoint were big. So those were the pieces they had to have. Now they've added wide receivers. They've added tight end. Can you find now playmakers from those groups? Can you find guys that go out and make plays, do those things? So that, In the end, that's the ultimate thing. Um, do you have people that can go out and, and be game changers and do some of that stuff? So um, that's the next step for them. They've put themselves in a position from a depth standpoint to be able to compete. Um, that was the biggest issue they had coming in. Now they've addressed that issue. Now have you added difference makers, and, and that's what you won't find out until the season starts. Jason, when you look at you know Auburn coming tomorrow, Hugh Free is going to be in front of the SEC media as a whole for the first time since he was at Ole Miss. You know, every coach when they come up here, they, they it seems like there's a big question that everybody wants to know from. What do you, what do you think that is this year for Hugh Freeze? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've been wondering, will it be more personal? Mm. Will it be more? How, how's the game changed since you coached in this league? Those kind of things. And you know, he has been at Liberty the last couple of years, and college football hasn't changed that much. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, probably how do you adapt and adjust with so many new faces? I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, TCU did it last year. We've seen people go and have success doing it. It's hard to do it. I mean, we've kind of gone through it. I think there's about 40. I think there's about 40 new faces between recruits and transfers. Um, and it's a new roster for him, period. And so you're, you're talking about everything being new. How do you adjust to it? How quickly can you get going? Obviously, you had spring practice. and. I think the TCU model will be a good question going, hey, what do you learn from watching them that it's – I guess that is possible. Maybe that's the biggest thing. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, questions that could be asked, do you, do you think that his past is still going to be asked? Oh, absolutely, uh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, I mean, nobody's over there. They're not over well, that yet. The, the the national side of things, right? Um, lots of people that are here will make for a good story to bring that back up again, to be quite honest. Right. We, we've addressed it. We talked to it. The people that cover Auburn have had a chance to do all those things. Right. From a national perspective and from other teams' perspectives, that's still going to be something that they're going to want to keep in the news, in my guess. So, I mean, I, yeah, I would imagine that yeah. will be a topic um, of discussion yeah. tomorrow a good bit. But it feels like that's a horse that has been beaten to death. It has. Uh, it has, but it's been more from, I guess, our perspective, right. maybe. You know, and, and those folks wrote it, but they didn't write it having a chance to talk to him. They'll have that chance tomorrow in some form or fashion. So, yeah, no, I would expect that to once again be a topic of conversation tomorrow. Jason, when you look at the contingency that Hugh Freeze is bringing with him of the three players, you know, you, a lot of times you, you when you come to SEC Media Days, you're bringing your team leaders. Most of the time it's a starting quarterback, obviously. Auburn doesn't have a starting quarterback named right now, so you're not going to bring a quarterback. But what, what are your thoughts on this group of guys that uh, Hugh Freeze has selected to bring up here? Uh, to me, the first thing that jumps out to me is is what they stand for. It, it, it shows me what he wants to build in a program. When you think about 
first of all, Luke Deal, Cam Stutz, this is guy, you know, their third coaching staff. Those guys have been through the ringer. It hasn't been easy. They haven't been superstar guys, but they've been guys that have continued to work. And I think that's the thing that stands out about those two guys. And Elijah McAllister is a guy that understands this league, but he's also come in and taken on a leadership role, um, even though he's only been on campus for six months. Um, he is a guy that pe- those people look up to. And, and um, I don't – you know, this will be the first time in a long time, I didn't, maybe in 24 years I've been doing this, that I don't think Auburn has any of the three guys that are coming here are going to be all SEC-type guys. That's just not who this guy is, and it may not be who this team is. And that may be as much of it as anything. Going, look, this is who we are. We're blue-collar, and you're bringing three really blue-collar players to, to the SEC media days. This is the last time, Jason, that we're going to have media days where we're doing in the predicted order of finish an east and west division. It's already hard enough to try and put together some of those middle of the divisions. Going to add two more teams to it and put them all together uh, in a pod next year. I, I wonder with the last division or last year of the west and trying to sort out some of these big storylines because of the A&M drama over the, the last year or so, because of the drama with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and that sort of thing. And these are important games to figuring out the West standings, and I know year one shouldn't get the loftiest of expectations. There's some grace even in, in the sports world in year one if things don't go amazing. But these storylines, they kind of have to do a little bit with Auburn inherently because of the Kiffin stuff, but then also these are the direct competitors for trying to quickly climb the ladder back towards Alabama and LSU here in year one. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of wrote this morning my thoughts on the SEC West and kind of the league in general, and the only team I feel fairly sure of that, that I know what we're going to get is, is Georgia, and even then, there's a quarterback question. Uh, I mean, I think they're good enough everywhere else that it's not going to matter. But, I mean, LSU has lots of guys back. But that's also a team that I saw lose four games last year. It's also a team that I saw Auburn, I thought, outplay for much of the game in Jordan-Hare Stadium last year. I think Jay Daniels had like 73 yards passing against Auburn last year. Um, so I have question marks about LSU. I have question marks about Alabama. What are they going to do at quarterback? They lost a ton of guys on defense. Offensive line is, is still a question mark. They're, you're right. Questions about everybody in this division, in my opinion. I think LSU is probably the most stable of the group. And so I, I picked LSU as the team that I would have to win this division. A&M could be 4-8. and eight. They could be 10-2. I, I, I don't know which way they're going to go. I, I, again, I have huge questions about Ole Miss. Um, the way they finish, their schedule, difficulty. Um, quarterback. You look and go, hey, you have a returning starter at quarterback, but you can bring in about 17 transfers to try to beat him out. I don't know how healthy that is. Mississippi State, I mean, everybody. I mean, you know, Auburn has those issues too. So I think it's – I think I know probably less about the league and teams than I ever have before because of all the new faces, because of everybody's involved. There's just so many, so many variables that um, we don't know, and that's why I, this is an Auburn team that – I think has a chance to go out and go, hey, you win a couple of games, build a little momentum, um, find some things offensively, start to make some plays. Could be an 8-14. and 14. I mean, I, I think that could happen in, in the heck. I mean, they, they had opportunities to be even that last year with everything that went on. And so, um, no, I think it's going to be a team that is competitive and going to have a chance against all those teams, yes. Last one for you before we let you go, Jason. Uh, we not gotten to talk to you in a, in a little while since the uh, – 
the so spring meetings, and we're going to do the eight-game schedule for a year. So uh, losing the LSU game, if you're Auburn for that year, we know who knows what's going to happen, the rotation, once they figure out eight versus nine. Where are you on on if it should be eight versus nine? And then just a little bit about Auburn potentially losing, you know, some more games that meant a lot to the program for a long period of time. Yeah, you know what? Um, unfortunately, progress means – some of those things go by the wayside. Um, Auburn-Florida was long a rivalry long before Auburn-LSU ever became one, and it went by the wayside. And you'll find different things. I think in this league now, the best thing is going to be flexibility because there's no way in a 16-team league you're just going to have to rotate, folks. You're going to lose a lot of rivalry games. I do think that nine is the answer. Um, You can keep three of those games, and you could keep Auburn-Alabama, Auburn-Georgia, um, those are the two games I think that would be beneficial. But on the flip side, you know what? You got a 16 team league. Uh, if you're going to play eight games and balance it out, then rotate them all. Have at it. Um, I, I think right now, the, the days of, oh, we've got to keep these rivalry games, all those things, yeah, you'd like to. But in the end, it's, it's going to be impossible. But it's because of so many, so many new teams. Especially if this league gets any. Any bigger than it already is going to be with 16. It's going to be hard if we ever get to the Super Conference we get up to 20 teams or that sort of thing. Jason Caldwell joining us today on Sports Call. Jason, time's greatly appreciated. What do you have in store for us uh, with Inside the Auburn Tigers 247 yeah, this week? Absolutely. No, um, have, have wall-to-wall coverage next few days here and no books, things up already from today. So you can check that out and um, you know a few, few little feature story ideas and you still got recruiting going on as big. We get closer to Big Cat Weekend on the 29th, so all that there. And then uh, follow me on Twitter at ITATJs. Football is it's close. It's very close. It's right around the corner. Jason, appreciate the time today. Thanks, guys. That is Jason Caldwell joining us today on Sports Call. We're going to take our next time out. Back with more Sports Call on this Monday edition right after this. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy, our guy T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls back in our Tiger 95.9 studio. And uh, appreciate Jason Caldwell for joining us. That was uh, one of the live interviews we were alluding to, as uh, you never know, again, who's going to pop around the corner here at SEC Media. And, again, we certainly appreciate Jason for joining us today. With that, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the program, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing today? What's up, guys? What's up, Matt? What's up, Matt? How are you, man? Hey, I had my game Saturday, and we lost by one run. Oh, but oh hey, no. hey, but hey, I tell you this though. 
I pit like I see. I pit the first. I pit and then I play. No, I played left field. Then I pit. Uh, then I like um, pit and sat out. Then I pit the seventh inning. But when I got up, the there's a guy taller than me, but maybe about six, six and six seven or something like that. But he walked me, and so then I got on first, stole second. And then I was about to steal third, and so I was like just playing like a little like a trick game and stuff like that. And but um, so he threw to the point the I guess it was a volunteer. They had split us up, but he like threw it to so I got back, and then the catcher he like he throws it to the catcher. The catcher throws it over the third baseman, and I score. And so then, so then I find out, I give you guys a hint. I give you, it's somewhere in Tennessee, it's not in Nashville, but there's a train somewhere in Tennessee. And it starts Chattanooga? With yeah, my next game is September 2nd in Chattanooga. Wow. All right. Nice. That's a long way to go. Yeah, so I told my mom, I hope you take a charter bus or something, but I don't know if we were doing that. My mom said we were going to have money and so so. But I want to talk about, a little about football. And then um, first I want to talk about, like, Tennessee. Who do you think would be a good coach for football for Tennessee? I heard that uh, the Tennessee coach got fired. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was the former Tennessee coach. He was the one fired a couple of years ago. It's been Josh Heupel for the last two years, and he was not the one to commit the NCAA violation. So Josh Heupel is still very much the Tennessee head coach. Okay, and another another question is: you guys are you guys are talking about other conferences for football joining? Do you know if like probably? Louisiana Monroe or Jacksonville State or Memphis will like reach out to the SEC, probably. Yeah, I mean, if they reached out to the SEC, the SEC would not field that phone call. I think that they're going to need a, a bigger school than, than those type of schools. And again, I, I think the SEC wants to be done with 16. Ultimately, they might have to go to more at some point. But I think the goal is to be able to stay at 16 and not continue to. Uh, change everything about how the sport's operating right now. Well, the reason why I said that is because I like I like to play I like Auburn to play Jacksonville State because like when we played Jacksonville State, they almost beat us. Right, and they certainly can do that, but just continuing scheduling them in the non-conference portion of the schedule—that's not ever going to be an SEC game. And, and another question is, what do you guys think about the recruitment for 2024 and 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 in the whole history of the class that Auburn has, what do you think the best class will be for uh, that Auburn has for now? The best class that Auburn, uh, the best recruiting class is, is yeah. what now? Like then the other past years that Auburn had a recruiting class is like twenty three going to be the best or twenty four? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I think that it's going to continue to get better. I think twenty three was was not one of the better classes. That was due to uh, a lack of quality recruiting by Brian Harson and that sort of thing. A few reasons. Company kind of saved that class at the end. Twenty two. 
2022's class was not great. 2021's class was, by Auburn standards, again, not ideal. It was really you have to go back to around 2020, the last time they had a class yeah. they were pretty comfortable with. So I think 2024, 2025 will be their best class in the last yeah. five or six years. Well, I heard I heard like last week, we're down Steve was talking about the players. He didn't even mention much of the players that Auburn had. Like, you had Courtney Taylor. You had Phil, Phil from Washington Kirkland. You had Sammy, Sammy Coates. You had, like, a whole bunch of players. You had Cadillac, Ronnie Brown, Cray Mason, Jason Campbell. You had, and, like, uh, Ward MC, they didn't even mention those players from the 2013 season when Auburn won the SEC championship game and stuff like that. So how can Ward MC forget all those players? Yeah, I'm not sure which uh, year's team you're referring to. You said the 2013 SEC championship team or the 2004? Uh, 2013. Yeah, because Jason Campbell and Courtney Taylor and Cadillac Williams, those guys were in the 2014. They were not the 2013 yeah. team. 2013 was Nick Marshall and Trey Mason and all those guys, Sammy Coates, et cetera. So, uh, I, I, again, I don't recall the exact thing that uh, was being talked about at that time, but I, I know he's a, aware of all those players, certainly. Yeah. Matt, we've only got a couple more minutes with, with well, you here. Hey, hey, Tom. Hey, what's up? Not so much how you behaving today. I I've been driving all day, so I haven't had a chance to misbehave. But uh, the night's young. <laughs> hey, Cam, is Cam there? No, he's uh, not Cam here today. Is, Cam is not there. Uh, but not Brent, here today. Brent is. Brent is. Uh, yeah, Brant. Uh, Brant's been here, and he's uh, he's back on the mic. Brant's here. Hey, Brant. What's up, man? Hey, Matt. How you doing? Sorry about that. I'm tired. I've been like I had a game Saturday, and we're so hot. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. I heard you talking about that a little bit, and yeah, it's it's been hey, hot everywhere you, lately. Hey, so hey, so hey, have you guys have you guys seen the new Indiana Jones movie yet? Have you, Brent or Tom? I have I, not. I haven't. No. You guys need to go see it. It's really, it's really, really cool. Hey, I want to, I want to do some trivia. Can I do like fifty? We can't do trivia today, Matt. We're gonna about to have to get off here. Uh, we we don't have time for trivia, but you can give us some final thoughts real quick, or if you have one last question for us. Well, yeah, I got some final thoughts on like um the SC, for football schedule. I see Auburn. I see Auburn going eleven and one. All right, okay. that would be a incredible success if they could pull that off. The, the, the only the only the, well. They was was twelve. It's twelve games, right? Yeah. Yeah, twelve so, regular season games. So I I I think that about I see Auburn. Yeah, probably going eleven to one. The only game to lose to is be against the dogs, and then go to SEC championship. Go to SEC championship game and play against my friend's team, the Gators. And Auburn will win that game, uh, forty-nine to twenty-three. All right, that would be, that would be something. All right, well, hey, I'll talk to you guys next Monday. Um, Tom, behave. I'll do my best. Hey, hey, bro, right. tell, tell your tell your wife about today and tell her I said War Eagle. I sure will. War Eagle, right, we'll, 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 we will. We'll talk to you next Monday. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us 
on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take one more phone call here before the end of our break at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that uh, my best friend, uh, Matt from Auburn, uh, he was talking about uh, the upcoming schedule of, like, what will the new schedules look like in the near future. And I think that Auburn, I, I'll probably see Auburn play, like, Penn State. Uh, we already played Penn State, so I'm looking at, like, Auburn playing, like, you see it, Southern California or uh, Baylor or Oregon, just to name those three. Uh, starter starting schedules for the for the remaining of the future schedule in 2025 and 2026. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, look, some of those big non-conference games could end up happening kind of in the future. Although I would say for right now, uh, I, I think that uh, the, the issue is that a lot of these non-conference games are already scheduled. So I think that uh, it'd have to be a little bit later in the uh, in the process, maybe 2030 or so, that sort of thing. But uh, certainly they're going to look to continue to add big non-conference games. Yes, as well. And then with some of the – I know we're on a 16-game uh, uh, slot, if I'm saying that correct. Uh, so they're still doing the 12-game schedule. What will happen in 2024 is there are going to be 16 SEC teams. So, yeah, 2024, 16 SEC teams. Okay, so with these 12 games that we have this year and next year, the only games I would like to see actually taking away from the 2024 schedule, I would like to see uh, with the Robert games, they can keep them. But I think with Auburn playing Georgia and Alabama, I think those two rivalries should be switched to Auburn and Texas. And I would like to see Auburn – play instead of playing Alabama for the Iron Bowl, because I mean, that's getting kind of out there. It's getting kind of outdated. So I'm pretty sure to replace Alabama, I would like to see uh, for the Iron Bowl to be replaced, I would like to see Auburn play against Georgia Tech or Florida State. Yeah, i tell you what, James, I, I just don't see that uh, that's going to happen. I think Auburn and Alabama are always going to play no matter – uh, what the league structure is like. I think they're always going to have the Iron Bowl, and I think they always should have the Iron Bowl. The Auburn-Georgia game is something that could be lost in the fray at some point if uh, the league only does eight games and they only do one constant opponent. That could be something that only happens every other year. But uh, the Iron Bowl is here to stay as it should, and, and uh, the Deep South oldest rivalry between Auburn and Georgia is only going to be off the schedule if, if again, that eight-game model takes, uh, takes place. Yeah, so if we if we're going to lose uh, the oldest rivalry in the South, which is Auburn and Georgia, I probably see like Auburn playing against Georgia Tech because that's a classic game that has a lot of uh, strong history and a strong rivalry behind it, and you know that that game should be played you know in Auburn, and actually that game should be played like on homecoming weekend, and actually getting some of the older players that you know that played during that game between you know between Auburn and Georgia Tech you know some of the some of the uh former players that played at Auburn I don't know they're I don't know if some of the older players are still around but I'm just saying 
you know, that, that would be something to actually see for, you know, the, the next few years that Auburn might want to play um, that kind of rivalry as well. Yeah, we'll just see what all they cook up in the non-conference. I think that um, I think it's very possible that they do some some fun things in the non-conference if they keep playing the uh, the, the big Power Five type of opponent. But again, SEC wise, they're going to be keeping with whoever's in the SEC. Yes, that's well. And then I'm looking at like in the near future, like around 2030, 2031. I'm looking at like I'm looking at a really good game of seeing. Auburn playing against the uh, Navy midshipmen. That that would be a really good game as well. And I think that game should be played like on November the 11th. And and I think that would be a really good opportunity to actually see SEC and a and a and a good school like Navy to actually play in in, in Jordan Harris Stadium as well. And then. With Auburn, I think they should play in their old school jerseys, like from 1957 to 1958 as well. Uh, that would be something else. Again, I think Auburn and Navy. Again, that would be you know we'll see. Well, we'll see that type of team. But uh, again, I like your outside the box uh, suggestions there. Yeah, because I mean, with with Auburn, I, I would like to like you know jazz it up a little bit and see Auburn play like some great games in the near future, like you know, step outside of our comfort zone and, and play some play some good games and actually turn those good games into um, old-school rivalries as well. Yeah, I mean, look, you gotta got to start playing someone and play them a lot to end up being a rivalry. But, again, I think in non-conference-wise, I think it's going to be kind of hard to create anything like that, especially in the fewer non-conference games that all these teams are going to be having. We're already down to a couple more minutes left in the hour, James, so we don't have to quite get to final thoughts. But what else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, looking at some NFL news and uh, seeing uh, some great uh, great insight on uh, on one of the new players that Tennessee actually picked up. I think it's Derek, uh, Derek Henry. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It's a new player that uh, Tennessee – actually just added this season um um, i'm I'm drawing a huge blank here yeah that's all right uh derrick henry is the the running back for the titans and he's been the running back for the titans for several years it's deandre hopkins the wide receiver uh formerly of the texans and the cardinals that's who's now on the titans yeah so i think the the I, i think that hopkins i think he looks like a future hall of famer so i think with him being in Tennessee, I think the Tennessee Titans, I think this will be their year to actually make it to the Super Well, to actually make it to the Super Bowl. And I know that y'all are in Tennessee, so I think the Tennessee Titans, they look like a Super Bowl team. And I, I'll probably see the Tennessee Titans and the Dallas Cowboys actually playing in the Super Bowl as well. That would be a really good uh, Super Bowl matchup as well for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada as well. And most importantly, it is a matchup that can take place. So that uh, that is certainly something that could happen. And, uh, again, we're not far from the Titans Stadium, James. I mean, it's only a couple minutes away, so that would be pretty cool. Any final thoughts for us today? Well, I don't have any final thoughts for you all today, but I'll probably hold off on trivia until next week. And I'll just do what I can actually uh, get into my uh, trivia uh, treasure chest and uh, see what I can actually find in there. 
Well, we certainly look uh, look forward to digging around in that treasure chest for more trivia next week. And, again, James, you can keep uh, keep calling us throughout the week. Of course, we just got to be a little briefer because we are at media days. But we appreciate your phone call today. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Last couple moments here of hour number one. Still to come, 415, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, is going to join us. We'll talk uh, some about the Dodge Trophy, which is presented for a top coach in the country. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then I'll obviously get a preview of the SEC here in 2023. And a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour, pre-recorded interview with Jordan Rogers of the SEC Network. So that and more coming up here the next couple of hours. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you. You will also hear the voice of Cam Berry a little bit later on our pre-recorded interview. And, of course, T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls back in our Tiger Communications studios back uh, in Auburn. Of course, we are in Nashville right now for SEC Media Day 2023. Kicked off today with three teams, including the commissioner of the league, Greg Sankey. So we've heard from Missouri, LSU, and Texas A&M. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, Tony Barnhart will join us, Mr. College Football. Excited about that conversation. Again, as I mentioned a little bit later, the Jordan Rogers conversation that we had earlier. Uh, we get so many interviews this time, of this week of the year, and we have uh, a, a good mix of live versus pre-recorded. Brooks does a great job with the uh, production of all that and the uh, editing and uh, so a lot of those pre-recorded interviews are because of uh, Brooks Childress's great work. So appreciate him for that. 
Uh, let's, uh, before we take uh, another break, before we get to Tony and get to uh, the rest of what we have planned, let's go ahead and get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, birthdays in sports today. First off, we've got Scott Norwood, who turned 63, former NFL kicker. Norwood was born in Virginia and played both football and soccer at James Madison. Let's go Dukes! Norwood was signed by the Birmingham Stallions, the first iteration of them, eventually signing with the Buffalo Bills. Played seven seasons in Buffalo, one-time All-Pro, one-time Pro Bowler, and one-time NFL scoring leader. Yep. From uh, Alexandria, Virginia, Jefferson High School, go Colonials. Colonials, Ooh. that's a good one for the state of Virginia. That's a good one. And good you, one. you know, it makes sense he was a Colonial and then went to James Madison as uh, college. The Dukes, yeah. Makes sense for Scott Norwood, who turns 63 today. Don Kessinger turns 81, former MLB shortstop and manager. Kessinger was born in Arkansas and was an All-American in baseball, football, basketball, and track as a high schooler. At Forest City High School in Forest City, Arkansas, go Mustangs. Mustangs, that makes sense. He played baseball and basketball at Ole Miss. Howdy time. And was an All-American <laughs> in both sports. He signed with the Cubs in 1964. Josh Almighty. Was called up in 1965. Who the hell are we? Played 15 <laughs> seasons in the majors. Played was well the, done. For the Cubs, Cardinals, and White Sox. Six-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, <laughs> member of the Cubs Hall of Famer, or Hall of Fame, Don Kessinger. Turns 81 today. Donnie boy. Calbert Chaney turns 53, former NBA guard. Chaney was born in Indiana and was an All-State player in high school. At William Henry Harrison High School in Evansville, Indiana. And no, they are not the presidents. They are the Warriors. Mm. Ah, that's a missed opportunity. you got to be presidents in that case. Got to be president. Played college football at Indiana. The Hoosers. Where he was a two-time All-American and 1993 unanimous national player of the year. Remains the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer. After graduating, played 13 years in the NBA. Calbert Chaney turns 53 today. And OG Ananobi turns 26, forward for the Toronto Raptors. Ananobi was born in London and moved to Missouri at one year old. He was a three-star out of high school. At Jefferson City High School in Missouri, Go Jays, as in Jaybirds. Well, Jefferson City Jays. I don't know if he was naked as a Jaybird, <laughs> but he played for him. you got to think the spirit night, like you're opening yourself up to some bad opportunities with a name like the Jaybirds. Uh, that's awesome stuff. Played at Indiana. Go Hoosers. And as, doubling up today. As a sophomore, he was a preseason All-American. In 2017, he drafted 23rd overall by the Raptors, where he's still playing today. One-time NBA steals leader and one-time NBA champion. OG Ananobi turns 26 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Scott Norwood, 63. Don Kessinger, 81. Albert Cheney, 53. And OG Ananobi, 26. Hoosiers is a great movie. It is. It is a good movie. It's a great sports movie, too. Uh, We had a... What was it, a couple of years ago we did a sports movie bracket? I don't we even did. remember. The greatest sports movies of all time bracket. Gosh, I don't even remember. What won? Yeah, what won. I think I was perturbed with some of the finalists. I, I definitely was. This, I mean, it was before I got here, but I remember y'all talking about it. Y'all did it about a month and a half before I arrived. So, so. we did it 2021, yeah. summer, summer of 2021, something like that. Man, I don't remember who won that. <laughs> and uh, Was it like, remember the Titans? That feels like an easy winner it, i don't know if it was that yeah i don't it was uh, down to uh, i found it oh, twitter found it. it was nice. down to a league of their own and rocky oh were the two finalists 
bangers, bangers all around. Yeah, that's fine. I yeah. In terms of movie quality, those are two of the best ones. I don't know. Ro- Rocky won in a landslide, eighty point six percent to nineteen point four percent. That's fair. That was May twenty twenty two. Is when we did what that. Was the, overtaking was, Tom Hanks. What yeah. were the other two in the final four? The final four. I've got that for you, Ryan. It was Rocky versus the Sandlot and Moneyball versus the League of Our Own or League of Their Own. Okay. There's no crying in baseball. There is no crying in gotcha. baseball. There, there was, is crying there was a when lot you of lose baseball in that final four though. There was. A lot uh, of baseball. I was trying to say where did Hoosiers get taken out? Hoosiers uh, Hoosiers beat the longest yard, the Adam Sandler version, but then got beat out by Adam Sandler, the water boy. So Adam Sandler <laughs> got his revenge on uh, on the on Hoosiers. Oh, man, yeah, that was a good time when we did that a couple of years ago. I don't know uh, if we updated it. I, I would be concerned to do it again because I feel like it would get completely different results and then it'd be contradictory, and then it would be like, well, well the first result wasn't great. And well, you know, there hasn't been a lot of, like, all-time great sports movies that come out since we did it. Oh, certainly not. So not, I, not in the last couple it would years. be it would be the same bracket, and yet it, it's what you just said. We'd get to the point where maybe it – Say something different. Yeah, I mean, wait, would you count Uncut Gems as a sports movie? Because that's kind of the only great one that I can think I'd of. I count it as a gambling movie, gangster yeah. movie. A yeah, bit. yeah. It's more KG. more like a mafia crime family thing. Yeah. Although yeah. Adam Sandler did have a uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, no, uh, what's the movie that he did uh, with uh, as he was the NBA scout? Hustle. Oh, Hustle. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's an all-time great with, with the yeah, actual NBA player as the the main character, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot of actual NBA players on there. Anthony Edwards was the protagonist oh, player. Oh, yeah. Antagonist, yeah. Yeah, that one. That one, yeah. Not, the bad not, guy. Not the good guy. Not the good the guy. Bad the bad guy. guy. Yeah, Bo Cruz. That was uh, Juan or Juancho or Juan Hernan Gomez. I don't know which which Hernan Gomez was. Anyway, we, we have uh, fallen off the tracks. There is train tracks behind us, to be fair, huh. uh, I, in Nashville. Kind of like the setup in Mobile. Yeah, that that's we, what I, I mentioned earlier where we had the ships going on behind us and then – train below us yeah so no 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 body of water to stare at this time when but, were y'all in mobile uh, senior bowl senior two years bowl? ago oh yeah okay. you didn't make that trip with I us i did not you didn't like us I, then. I didn't i didn't get invited i don't i don't know <laughs> I, I wasn't i wasn't the host. Well, i don't think i got a yeah pre- we invited you tom I don't think well, it, I was, it was the other guy that used to be here that didn't invite you uh-huh. <laughs> we wanted you to go yeah. blame some things on jj <laughs> Uh, before that devolves any further, let's go ahead and take our first time out here of hour number two. On the other side of this break, we will talk to Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. That's coming up next on this Monday edition of Sports Call Live from SEC Media Days Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Tiger Weather, brought to you by Auburn University Credit Union. There has never been a better time to save with Auburn University Credit Union's CD Special. 4.75% APR for 13 months. Yes, 13 months annual percentage rate. Federally insured by NCUA. This is a limited time offer. 
Monday, highs will make the mid-90s around 94 to 95 with heat index values reaching over 100 degrees. Only a very small chance of an isolated shower or thunderstorm. Lows drop into the low 70s overnight. Tuesday, we turn up the knob on the heat just a little bit more with highs reaching the mid to upper 90s around 96 to 97. A very, very small chance of an afternoon shower or thunderstorm. Most spots will be dry. Lows drop into the low 70s overnight. I'm Ryan LaVoy for your Tiger Communications weather update. They are familiar faces from high school, from the local grocery store, or even your own neighborhood. Each semester, thousands of local teens embark on a new journey, one that begins at Southern Union State Community College. We believe that you have an amazing journey ahead of you too, and Southern Union is the perfect place to begin at an affordable price close to home. Visit suscc.edu today to begin your journey at Southern Union. Hey everybody, I'm Brian Watts. And I'm John Harden, and we are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. And I'm Virginia, the intern. Well, John, it's summertime, and as the kids and grandkids are out of school, what a great time of year to make memories out in nature on your own land. That's right, Brian. Whether it's fishing and canoeing, growing fruits and vegetables in your garden, hosting summertime cookouts, or planning for the fall hunting season, there's always something fun to do on your own land. Land ownership is not only a sound financial investment, but it's also investment in time with your family and friends. If we can help you find a property to make lasting memories with your family, we'll be glad to help you. If you're looking to sell your property and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, give us a call and we can show how we can serve you. To reach John, call 334-524-2756. To reach Brian, call 334-707-4273. Hey Virginia, what do we always say? Remember, invest, grow, and conserve. This interlude is brought to you by Tiger Iron Gym. Get fit. Open 365 days, 24-7, located on South College Street in Auburn. Honey Baked Ham doesn't just sell hams. Honey Baked Ham in Opelika offers the best spiral sliced honey glazed ham sandwiches in town. In the mood for turkey? Try the turkey classic or the turkey bacon ranch. Can't decide? Have both on the Tavern Club. Whatever you fancy, sandwich super salad make Honey Baked Ham your go-to lunch spot. Break away and experience lunch at Honey Baked Ham on Gateway Drive in Opelika today. For a quick pickup, call ahead at 741-8411. That's 741-8411. Honey Baked Ham, celebrating life one meal at a time. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brent Daughtry, and more with us today on this Monday edition of the program. Just a couple minutes away from Tony Barnhart joining us, so we will keep it right here for, for just a moment or two. Again, excited to talk about Tony. We get to see so many different people that uh, you get the, the pleasure of interviewing uh, once or twice a year and that sort of thing, and excited to talk to Tony here in just a moment. We've had, again, LSU, Texas A&M, and Missouri today. Nothing earth-shattering. Brian, I know you were in the press conference when 
Jimbo Fisher was asked for, you know, the 200th time, uh, <laughs> what's the deal with the play calling, and it's one of our favorite things to, to banter about in media and with fan bases and that sort of thing because it certainly happened at Auburn in years past, but ultimately not a 100% commitment to 100% of the plays for Bobby Petrino. Yeah, it, it, he he was asked the question about is Bobby going to be calling the plays, and he basically responded with, well, yeah, he's going to be the primary play caller, but for the most part, he's going. It, it's going to be a collaborative effort. His exact quote was, it's a much more collaborative effort than people usually think, which makes me think that Bobby Petrino is going to be calling plays, but Jimbo Fisher, as the head coach, is going to have final say, which is usually how it works, but obviously when you have a setup like that and you have two personalities as big as Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, you can see how quickly it could go wrong. So A&M is going to be volatile. Uh, Ryan, you and I usually do our, uh, our our college football superlative shows sometime around this time of year, a little bit after media days usually. We've done one the last two seasons. I really hope we get to do another one this year because I always enjoy it. But one of the things we keep going back to is most volatile team. What's the team with the, the largest gap between ceiling and floor? And I think Texas A&M is a prime example of that one to, to give a preview of whatever episode that's going to be. Uh, this is a team that has some incredibly talented people on it, uh, some incredibly talented players and coaches, but it also has some players and coaches that if stuff starts going wrong and they start not getting along, it could blow up very quickly. So uh, Texas A&M is going to be an interesting team to watch, and I think I heard someone around here say A&M is a team that could go 11-1, and A&M is also a team that could go 6-6. Six and six. So we'll really have to see once the season gets started. Yeah, we're getting set to uh, chat with Tony Barnhart here in just a moment, Mr. College Football. But, yeah, the, the Texas A&M stuff, again, that, that's going to be a storyline. Anytime a play call goes wrong, anytime anything offensively is just taken aback at all at A&M this year, it's going to be something where uh, at, at this point you just look at it and, and you have to always question, well, who do we blame this time if something goes wrong? And, and that's the continual deal with everything going on at Texas A&M where, again, poor offensive performances are going to be scrutinized even more so than they already were with Jimbo Fisher and, uh, and that I'm, sort of I'm, thing. I'm, it's on my schedule. And, and so uh, th- that's part of the, know, the reason where Paul is. why that is – So so scrutinized for sure. And now we're uh, pleased to be joined on Sports Call today uh, with Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Tony, the time is greatly appreciated. How are things going? Things are going well. It's it's funny, when we were in Destin at SEC Media Days, uh, excuse me, at SEC Spring Meetings, I told my wife, I said, this is going to be the fastest summer ever. (laughs) And when I got in the car to come over here yesterday, my wife said, man, were you right. Summer's over. Let's go play ball. There, look, there's not not much downtime now. I mean, it's a year-round thing, and there was a lot of dramatic things to, to happen at, at uh, spring spring meetings with the schedule, and we'll get into some of that. But first, we want to talk a little bit about the Dodd Trophy. Uh, that's something uh, given out to top college football coach. Tell us a little bit about the Dodd Trophy and its significance. Well, what's unique about the Dodd Trophy is obviously you got to win games, but the Dodd Trophy takes that a step further in that it's about academics. you got you got to have a 980 APR just to get on the watch list, okay? It's very important. It's about community service, uh, scholarship, leadership, and integrity were the three pillars that uh, Coach Dodd, Bobby Dodd, who was at Georgia Tech uh, for 25 years as head coach and a total of 50 years in all. And so this is, this is about more, you know, college football is more than just a game. 
and we present the award each year. We have a committee that votes on it. Uh, we present the award on campus at a banquet to honor the coach. This year's winner, I'll give you an example, was Willie Fritz from Tulane. And you know how his season turned out. And so we had a banquet for him in New Orleans at Tulane. And when we arrived, they put us, it was about 12 of us, they put us on a bus and took us to the Tulane campus of the stadium. And uh, the entire football, Tulane football team, was there waiting on us to escort us around the stadium. And, and it was a neat, it was a neat, neat thing. We know a couple of the coaches in this league currently have uh, won the award, like Nick Saban, then Brian Kelly when he was at Notre Dame. Talk about some of the coaches in this league and if they're on the watch list and just kind of the things that they represent. Well, obviously, uh, a couple of coaches have won it twice, and I think Nick Saban is a guy who has a, a very good chance to be a two-time winner. Uh, Sam Pittman uh, at Arkansas is a uh, outstanding, outstanding coach, outstanding guy. But there, it, it is, it, it's a hard award, award to win. It really is, and the, there are several coaches on this list, on this list of the SEC, who have a chance. Absolutely, and uh, joined by Tony Barnhart today, Mr. College Football. Uh, we also, before we want to get into uh, some, some of this year's preview and that sort of thing, want to talk a little bit about uh, the book that you're releasing, uh, The 19 of Green, and that's about, uh, of course, fall of 1970 and about Georgia a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about this book and, and what inspired it. Well, in, in the fall of 1970, uh, I played on the first ever integrated football team of my high school, Greene County High School in Greene County, Georgia. It's about halfway between Augusta and Atlanta off of I-20. And in the fall of 1970, the courts ruled that the schools would be completely, fully integrated. And so that happened. We had spring practice. And when spring practice was over, the two schools had combined. We had 19 players, 12 white, 7 black. And that's what we sort of went to war with. And this, and we... we we won a division uh, championship, played for a region championship, lost a close game. But the story of the 19 of Green is not how many games we won. The story is the fact that 52 years after we played our last game together, our quarterback, Charles Turner, who came from the black school, and I uh, are among our closest friends. Uh, I talk to him at least uh, once a week. Uh, I, have, I have a charity golf tournament. He plays in mine. He has a charity golf tournament, and I play in his. And Charles was a guy who's in four different halls of fame between high school and college. And so uh, it's those relationships and the fact that, you know, Charles was honored by the circle of honor at our high school and six of his team. There's only 15 of us still alive. And six guys on our team showed up to see him be inducted into the ring of honor. And what does that mean to you to have something that is that is both personal but also historical because we know how difficult it was uh, and how much blowback there was to integration yep. not only in society but also in the sports world so what does that mean to you to have be a part of both sides of that well it, it means a lot and to, to go back and do the research uh on this you, you you know people don't realize what a difficult time it was people i know this will shock you but they didn't think it was a great idea that white kids and black kids would go to school together and play football together and, and play sports together they didn't think it was a great idea and, but it but it happened, and today uh, a lot of us stay in touch. And it's uh, we get together at each every homecoming. We get together, and it's a it is a special special time. Let's talk a little bit about uh, 2023, about Hugh Freeze, about Auburn. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, this was a coach that 
went through, uh, had a past, and was someone that was not necessarily universally received coming back into the SEC. But now that we've turned the page on that, we've gotten into the summer and roster building, all the things that new college football is with the transfer portal, what are the expectations? What is the proper expectation for him in year one? I do not know what to make of Auburn at this point, and that and that's why any expectations either way are probably not realistic. I mean, Hugh Freeze's track record is usually when he gets the quarterback position figured out, then the other stuff starts to fall into place. And until he gets the quarterback situation figured out, it's going to be – it's going to be tough. Uh, it, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how the media votes. Because I, 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 as you sit there and go over every team in the West, you, you can say something pretty good about that team. Auburn, you know, there are some, there are some good things. But I think it's possible for Auburn to get, to get picked last by the media. And so, but if he can get the quarterback situation figured out, we'll, we will see. I know everybody has kind of – obviously we've moved on from Brian Harson, but there's still the lingering effects of, of Harson there at Auburn. I mean, how, how much did he hurt that program in this, the two years that he was there, do you think? Well, just look at it through recruiting. Where, where we, was recruiting where you needed to be? No, well, it wasn't. Right. And so that, it's hard to think to put a figure on, but we, we, will, we will see once Auburn gets into their schedule and starts playing games and what – what does the depth look like and stuff like that? And it's hard to quantify what the impact was, but obviously it was not a fit. When you're looking at the teams that Auburn's going to be fighting to occupy space with in the, in the West, mm-hmm. when you're talking about A&M having such wild swings the last couple of years, having that really great 2020 and having – uh, a, a really joke of a year last year. Mm-hmm. When you look at Ole Miss, who was playing its best football ever under Lane Kiffin, and then the Auburn rumors came out and it went downhill at the end. I mean, what do we make of these teams this year, and, and how much confidence do you have in, in their ability to, to stay afloat? Every team, other than Alabama and LSU, every team in the West has something to prove. Uh, you mentioned Ole Miss. That's an issue. Mississippi State. Mississippi State's got a 4,000-yard passer but they're not going to throw the ball as much anymore. What's that going to look like? You know, I'm, I'm fascinated. I, I think Arkansas, if you've got K.J. Jefferson, you, a healthy K.J. Jefferson, you've got a chance. All right, and there, you know, and again, you know, Ole Miss is in a situation that's, that's kind of hard to figure out. So I think that after Alabama and LSU, the SEC, the rest of the SEC West is wide open. Anybody could finish anywhere in those bottom five slots. Tony, we heard uh, Commissioner Sankey open up his press conference earlier today talking about NIL and the state of college football. In your opinion, how is it affecting the state of college football right now and, and what needs to be done, if anything? And, and what, what's your opinion on NIL, basically? Well, NIL has been the, – the rollout has been botched from the very beginning due to lack of leadership at the, at the highest level. Before they ever started it, there should have been a set of guardrails to govern how it was going to go. That didn't happen. They just put it out there and let let the marketplace go. Now that that's happened, as somebody somebody had told me, obviously you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So what you've got to figure out, what what can we do to do something so that uh, the, the rules, that you're basically operating under the same set of rules, because that's not happening now. you got the states figuring out – if you got 50 states, you got 50 states coming up with 50 different ways to do it because you got some coaches, uh, you know, the legislatures are coming to, hey, coach, just tell us what you need. 
Tell us what you need, and we'll put it into the law. That's no way to – that's not even remotely fair. So I don't want the government involved in college football, but I don't see – I thought Commissioner Sankey made a very good point. He said that's – if we're going to get some uniform guidelines so that everybody's operating on the same set of rules, that may be the only way we do it because now that it's out there, now that the guys can go to the marketplace – if you make any changes to restrict the amount of money these guys can make, one but one person said, why don't we just give everybody $100,000 and be done with it? You know why you can't do that? Because the quarterback at, you name it, Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, quarterback of that school is going to raise his hand saying, I can make a lot more money in the open market than $100,000. I'm worth a lot more than that. So, to do anything like that is a clear violation of antitrust law. And some, and the people who criticize it don't seem to understand what antitrust law is all about. You can't restrict somebody's ability to make money unless you've collectively bargained. That's what the money is supposed to be. So I think, I think getting the, the, the government involved is really the only answer. Tony, we'll wrap up things uh, with this. Uh, again, a part of the changing landscape in college football includes these bigger conferences, different mm-hmm. scheduling. Obviously, going back to what we talked about at the beginning with the meetings in Destin, opt for an eight-game model for one year only. Where are you on the eight versus nine debate and, and what becomes of just all the scheduling topics here in the next couple of years in the league? I was very much in favor of nine and still in favor of nine, but I understood – you know, we started talking about this on Monday at Destin. And as the week went on, it became clear that it, they were not going to go to nine. So, but I still think the long-term future is best for the SEC to have that ninth game. But I, I now understand the reason they didn't go to nine games is because they looked at their 2024 schedules, and there was a ton of really strong Power Five opponents on that. LSU is playing both UCLA and USC uh, in 2024. So that's why they didn't go to nine. But the reason they will go to nine, you get more quality SEC games and you go to your friends at ESPN and says, look, you want a ninth conference game, we're here to help. Now, put two more zeros on the end of that check (laughs) and we're good. All right? And so that's the – but I think ultimately, ultimately, I want to do nine conference games because I don't want to lose – the secondary rivalries that we would lose with it. Georgia-Auburn is a game that's very, very close to me and my family. I've been playing since 1892, longest continuous rivalry in the Deep South. I would not, even if you played it every other year, I wouldn't want to lose it. And I, the only way you can save Tennessee-Alabama, the only way you can save those secondary rivalries is to go to a nine-game conference schedule. He's Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart here at SEC Media Days. Tony, we appreciate the time, and I know that summer has almost come to an end, but we're excited for college football. There's no doubt, guys. Good to be with you. Appreciate it. That is Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, today on Sports Call. We're going to take our next time out back with more from SEC Media Days right after this. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, 
Roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, all with you today here on the Monday edition of the show. Again, appreciate Tony Barnhart for joining us here live from Radio Row here in the Grand Hyatt Hotel, SEC Media Days from Nashville 2023. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one triple tiger 9 Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great, guys. It's a, uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm so uh, just uh, enjoyed the conversations with uh, Jason Caldwell. Great uh, comments from him and insights, and then Mr. Tony Barnhart. With that said, guys. Yes, sir. I've got a holy crap, and then a a no, no, no. All Which right. What do you, what want you got first? Uh no, 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 no. Let's go that first. Okay. I saw this. I, I, I had to say no, no, no. Say it ain't so. Ex-Auburn football player Gary Walker, who is a defensive lineman, has signed on with the dark side. Alabama or Georgia? Uh, the dark side for me is Nick Saban. Ah, Yep, I just read it on the spun. I said, no, 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 no. You played you played for Auburn, and you're going to be going to the Iron Bowl as a graduate assistant and saying, roll tide? Look, uh, I said, couldn't it, you find it, a job anywhere else? I mean, go, go to uh, uh, Vanderbilt, go, go to Georgia Tech, somewhere else, please. He's coming from Miami. Yeah, I mean, look, the it, it happens sometimes. I mean, you, I mean, the coach, the coach is a different deal. Well, it's a different profession. Didn't, than, didn't Tracy Rocker go and coach there as an assistant? Uh, might have. I mean, I, you know, again, that that sort of thing. Obviously, I know it. Uh, it's not always what you want to hear, but but uh, obviously there are plenty of examples of guys that end up coaching rivals and and that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, once upon a time. Uh, that that has happened uh, with uh, numerous numerous people. I mean, you could say the other side of things uh, with uh, again Vince Dooley or something like that. I know, so, I know, I mean, Pat died, but yeah. I, this this is a guy who wore that jersey, who played for us, and he's going to who our most bitter rival, uh, and you're going to be saying not War Eagle at the Iron Bowl, right? How how, how do you do that? I mean, you couldn't pay me to do it, guys. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm letting go. I just, I said, oh man, this is a no, no, no. All right, moving on. Holy crap, Tom. What's up? Every time this happens, I think of you. You know, we uh-huh. talked about. I think last year, right on Friday, how bad is Chicago White Sox and should we sweep them? Holy crap! Yeah, Nine well, to nothing the first game, and then after that. Yep, lost a close one in game two, and then uh, got beat pretty bad in game three with Colby Allard, who, of course, is not really supposed to be on the team anyway. But, 
again, I mean, yeah, it's baseball. The Braves lost a series to Oakland earlier this year. Clearly yep. anything can happen. And they had their opportunities in game two to win the series, to come back and win that one and didn't do it. So uh, it goes that way sometimes. I said, wow, TG, yeah, that was I mean, and they even had Strider pitching uh, for Saturday. Yeah, and he gave up three or four runs. I mean, he obviously was not uh, at his best, but again, he's he's had a low to mid three or mid three ERA really all year. So I mean, he's not he's been dominant in the strikeout since this year, uh, but he's not had you know just a bunch of shutout performances this year. So again, it's it's again it's not it's disappointing, sure, but it's it's still in the course of the 162 games, not the most shocking thing. I know. Okay, moving on quickly, guys. Uh, SEC Media Days. I just saw this from Jason Caldwell. I said, really? Is this what we're going to come to? Uh, is the SEC uh, home office going to move from Birmingham to Dallas, Texas? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think home office will, but, uh, yeah, Media Days will be in, Nash, uh, excuse me, in Dallas next year. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, we, we alluded to it last week on the show. I mean, that was the the rumored topic. They've been wanting to go out to Texas for a little while. They're, they've got now even more incentive with Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. That's going to be a long trip for us. I You know, again, I'm not going to uh, take these trips for granted, so I don't know what next year will hold. But it's certainly a long ways out there, and uh, they're clearly, they clearly are wanting to tour all the big cities and all the big locales in the league now. They're – they're not keeping it to just one place, and I think it's going to keep moving around. So are gone are the days of, of Hoover in Atlanta? I, they might rotate through there. Uh, well, especially Atlanta. They, they might rotate through there from time to time. I just think that of all the events that the SEC has that matter, that's a big deal, this is like the most movable event. This is something that I think people can be okay with. I, if you started moving the conference football championship game around, I think that would evoke a lot of different opinions. I think if you started to move the basketball tournament around to some degree with the success it's having in Nashville right now, I think that you would get opinions there. But I don't think that I don't think everyone is anti or, or as many people anti uh, moving the SEC media days around to these big cities. Okay. Uh, I'll only get uh, scratch my hips if they move it to uh, Missouri. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. If you are in Tennessee, let's talk about the elephant in the room. 200 violations, and uh, I agree with the sentence expressed by uh, over the weekend by Philip Marshall. Uh, this is all they get. Uh, they were docked 28 scholarships. Now, sounds at first, wow, that's, that's a pretty big hit. But no, uh, Tennessee already docked themselves themselves 18, and then they were hit with a paltry, and I do emphasize paltry, $8 million fine, which, uh, according to Philip Marshall, is like me and you going out and spending $8, you know, for a, a fast meal. Uh, and then, of course, Jerry Pruitt was handed a, a six-year uh, show cause penalty. Okay. Correct. Um, and then no no post-game, bowl-game ban. I said, wow. So they still get to do that. In the past, the NCAA, with those kind of violations, you'd be banned from post-bowl uh, post games, wouldn't you guys? I mean, may, yeah, I mean, a while ago, yes, but not recently, not not the last several years of, of, of these type of penalties. And, look, I mean, they, they had a lot of violations for sure, and I understand that some definitely want the bowl ban. But, yeah, I mean, again, they, they the NCAA, that's like a last resort type of deal. And I think I read somewhere where 
the $8 million is kind of what the team, what the program would expect to make by playing in a bowl game. And so it's kind of de facto they're penalizing them, the financial part of it, for what they would earn out of making a, a, a normal bowl game. So I think that's why that, that number is at $8 million. And then, you know, as far as the scholarships, yes, it's uh, – it's, I mean, it amounts to five or six scholarships per year uh, there, which is, again, that's a decent amount of the – allotment you get so, uh, of new scholarships so again like I, I get i get it some people really want want the the deal there for them to not have bowl eligibility for a year or two but uh they put every other penalty at them and again ultimately it's something that jeremy pruitt committed if 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 josh heupel had committed that and he was still there or if pruitt had still lasted and they were still employed i think that's when the bowl ban would, would be more appropriate because it would be penalizing the still current staff, but you would be penalizing the, the new staff and the program for, uh, you know, moving on from that, from that uh, violated coach. And, you know, what you said uh, there, you know, um, it's a double-edged sword. You know, why punish people who had nothing to do with this? And just to me, the penalty was to me, and uh, uh, Philip Marshall was really paltry. He said, that's nothing it means dog uh, to a university like Tennessee. Uh, but anyway, so the, it is what it is. So let's keep all going, guys, to the uh, nation's number one offensive interior offensive lineman, and he's a big boy. He's coming for Big Cat. He's coming all the way to California. So uh, we are trying to some people that I didn't think uh, we'd be able to do so quickly. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, again, a Big Cat Weekend's going to have a lot of big-time recruits there. I mean, and his that name is Deontay Carter. Sure, and uh, he is big literally and physic- uh, you know, figuratively too. I-, I think that the return of a, a robust Big Cat Weekend's needed, that was something that yeah. came in, what, about a decade ago or so, around the Gene Chiswick timeline. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that got a lot of success then. It, it seemed to tail off in recent years. You can put two and two together there. But then, you know, I think that knowing that Hugh Freeze is a guy that has usually had a good recruiting acumen dating back to his Ole Miss days, I think making a big deal out of Big Cat Weekend again, getting the top guys on campus is, is, is somewhat predictable and is something that is necessary. And, of course, over the weekend we got a commitment from a four-star player. Uh, so that yeah. was, and that was a big. Uh, I think that was a big commitment there. Uh, yeah, that moving was a, on, a, moving on again, guys. Uh, have you seen the two forty seven sports media days uh, SEC predictions from all the two forty seven sports local and national uh, writers? I don't think I've seen the complete list. Okay, um, number one, their pick. They got twenty three first place votes in Georgia. Sure. Yeah. Number two, Tennessee. Okay. This is a little bit surprising. Number three, they have South Carolina. A lot of people very high on South Carolina for this upcoming yeah, season. Yeah, some momentum from last year being able to beat Tennessee and uh, Clemson in back-to-back weeks. All right. And then moving on, number one, Alabama. 14 right. first-place votes. Number two, LSU. LSU. I'm going to get to yeah. them a little bit. Number three, Ole Miss. Auburn is six below or seven. Arkansas, yes, and Ole Miss, and we're number six. Yep. Yeah. Surprise or not? No, that's pretty standard. Yeah. I think that's how it's going to shake out here in, 
in Hoover. Again, Auburn has a lot of roster turnover, and I think right. uh, Jason Caldwell was talking a little bit about it, that they needed to have a lot of roster turnover, but then you still got to have guys. So they got the depth part figured out, but they've still got to figure out, do they have studs? Do they have uh, truly great players on, on both sides of the ball? And, uh, again, you know, it's still I, I, I caution people, yes, you have a higher probability that now than you used to to be able to have a big first year, but still new everything, new coach, a lot of new players, new system, all that, all that good stuff. And so year one is not the final form of a program, and, and people have to remember that even though I know the patience wears thinner and thinner by the year in athletics. But, again, year one is not supposed to be Auburn – pick to win the league and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. The, and, and I, Steve, I'm gonna, yeah, I would, Steve, go, I'm I would go like that, 11 to 1. But come on, guys. Like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Target football, uh, college football guy, you know, Tony Barnum. we don't know anything. Yeah, Tony Barnum. We don't know anything about Auburn yet. In fact, we know some of the other teams how good they're going to be, but uh, we just get thrown to the curve here, number six, right above Mississippi State. Right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah I, but, mean, I mean, I mean, they, they, you look at the roster. I mean, it was depleted. Yes, they've done some good job. Uh, they've done a good job on getting some spots filled, but there's just so many question marks there. Um, you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, you just got to understand that the, this program was really kind of left in shambles for the most part, and he's having to pick up a lot of pieces to to get it back on the right track, and it might take a little bit. I think things will go a lot better than they did last year, Steve, but remember you were having these same questions for us last year, why the league was devaluing Auburn and putting them down low in the totem pole, and Auburn ended up incredibly low in the totem pole. So sometimes they get it wrong, but sometimes they know what they're doing, and and Auburn might surprise people. The, the The possibility is there. But I still think that Auburn is is a year or two away from being able to be in their best form, and so they're not going to go out there and, and win every 50-50 game this year. Oh, yeah, fair, fair enough. Everything you said uh, has a valid merit to it. Um, but why the Love Fest again, not only with a and but even more so with LSU guys? Well, because uh, they won of, the West last yeah, year. Well, Brian LSU Kelly's okay, okay, Brian I Kelly's a legitimately good that. coach. Uh, may I uh, – uh, respectfully remind you what LSU uh, did last year. Uh, yeah, win the West. Win the SEC's Western they Division. They got their butts handed to them at home by who? What, at, Tennessee. Uh, the Tennessee game? Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee was a top five team last who had year. had been on a six-game losing streak. Uh, Tennessee went 10-2 and two last year. They they did not go on a six-game losing streak. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm talking about A&M. Okay, so they lost 45-13 to 13 to Tennessee. And then they went and lost 38-23 at A&M. We lost uh, six, seven ACC games. Uh, so what a two-point conversion against Alabama now makes them a national championship contender, guys? Well, I mean, they did win all the – I mean, they went 10-2. and two, and, I mean, it's not like that was the only game they won. And, yes, they clearly regret A&M part of it, but upsets do happen. And, look, that's a 10-win team. I mean, it's it just – with the with the quarterback returning, with a coach that we know is a good head football coach, I I, don't, I mean I don't think LSU would beat Alabama this year. I do think LSU would be second, well, even though some do have LSU beating them I, this year. I was say, there's a but, lot of people who are going to put LSU up, but LSU absolutely deserves to be in a category above some of these other other schools in the West. Okay, I right. I'm hearing your comments. 
So uh, I'm going to be writing these down because I want to see how well sure, you guys go do. For it. And how will Please I do? do. Uh, I just want to see, okay, because these things are based on what? Uh, very, 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 you know. Based off a of really good quarterback <laughs> returning to a school that went 10-2 and two last year with a good coach. It's not hard. I mean, that, that's – that's why you, you you targeted Steve the worst game of their year. Great, but the Two best game games. of the okay they lost to a top five Tennessee team. Okay, the Tennessee was not some some scumbag team last year, and LSU. What, again, you target the worst game. Okay, how about find the seven worst Auburn games because there's seven of them that didn't go well last year. So if you're trying to make a reference to LSU and Auburn or how close in proximity they are, there was a pretty big chasm in them last year. Okay, moving on from the spun. ESPN's computer ranks college football's ten most difficult schedules. You know who they are. I, and I'm sure some SEC teams are involved. South Carolina. South Carolina's yeah. is definitely going to be up there. Nope. Florida's probably. Florida is. So here they are. Who is the number one team that has the most typical schedule, according to ESPN's computer model in the country? Uh, I'm going to say South Carolina because i got to play Georgia and Clemson. See, I would have thought Vanderbilt. It's Ole Miss. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. I guess they got number Georgia two? this year too, actually, yeah. Yeah, number two is Minnesota. Okay. Number three, Florida. I Four, Maryland, it, and my team, Auburn, comes in number five. They usually do. Yep. And usually do. Come in. in fact, I'm sorry, we're in the top three. We, we play the tough schedule almost every year. Number six, Arkansas. Yep. Seven, Michigan yep. State. Eight, Tennessee. Nine, Rutgers, okay. and ten, Indiana. Why didn't Vanderbilt no. make it? Because they always play. I mean, because they, they, they play Bird Row. Well, so I, you got to look at their West teams, but also they don't play anyone in the non-conference. So some of these teams do have a big non-conference game. And, and Vandy, uh, look, they've got what Ole Miss and Auburn. So Auburn, as we've talked about, valued as a little bit lower in the SEC this year. Ole Miss, a good team, but not some like schedule breaker type of deal. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're not too much further down that list. But again, they have they have nothing in the non-conference. They really do not have a, a big non-conference game. Only another minute or two left in this All hour, right. Steve. So you notice what two teams did not appear on the most difficult top ten schedules? Uh, Alabama and Georgia. You got it. Uh, Correct. So well, their their path is pretty easy. So over the weekend, guys, we had an upset in women's uh, women's uh, tennis, right? Yeah, big upset. Yeah, Marketa Vondrusova, 24 years old, the lowest-ranked woman ever to win the Wimbledon, defeating the number yeah. six-ranked uh, person in, uh, in tennis. Wow. So that was quite a competition for her to do that. And then uh, Mr. Uh, Alcaraz, is that right? He, uh, yeah, beat, Carlos uh, Alcaraz. Yeah, he beat uh, Djokovic. Uh, and I thought that I didn't see it. Did you guys watch it? Uh, I, I was sleeping while it was on, but uh, I saw the highlights. It was an absolutely epic match between those two yeah, in the men's final. And we were traveling. We were traveling up to Nashville. Okay, guys, are you, are you going to be able to uh, ask uh, Coach uh, Freeze tomorrow any questions? Yeah, we're certainly going to try to. We're uh, working with Auburn staff there uh, to try and uh, try to get that worked out, and we're going to certainly try to do that. You'll be the first person to ask, what's the status with your quest hunter? Uh, yeah, I don't know if we'd be. Uh, we we'll see about that one. We'll we'll have to uh, well, again. We'll have to get uh, the interview lined up first, and and then we'll see. Our secondly question, coach: Will we know who the starting quarterback is after fall camp, or by the first game, or not? 
Sure. Yeah, we would probably ask that and get get a timeline for the starter job. Steve, we got to let you All go because right, we're at the end hey, of the Hey, thank you break. so much. I enjoyed both of those plays. Give you have Jason Caldwell and Coach Tony Barnhart, and you guys do an extra job. And TP is doing an extra job without hanging up on people. So, with that said, have a safe afternoon and enjoy you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to tomorrow, definitely. Where you guys? War Eagle Steve, appreciate your phone call. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, again, we're going to have that uh, interview with Jordan Rogers. Also more on this Monday edition of Sports Call Live from SEC Media Days 2023. We'll be right back. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. Coming live from SEC Media Days 2023 here in Nashville, Tennessee. First time Media Days has been in Nashville, of course, after years and years of being in Birmingham. We had a little Atlanta. Then we hung back out at Birmingham and went back to Atlanta. And now, but it was a different Atlanta experience. It was in the actual College Football Hall of Fame for Radio Row. They had had the main stage there the first time, but we were disjointed, and it took it was like a seven-minute walk. And Sequestered away in a whole separate building. It's, it's no more than a 70-second walk now to a <laughs> to get to the main media room uh, and here in Nashville, the Grand Hyatt. So we're having a good time today. Again, today heard from Commissioner Greg Sankey. Also, Texas A&M, Missouri, and LSU. Today on this program so far, we've had Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, of course, and we had Jason Caldwell of Auburn 247 inside the Auburn Tigers. If you missed any of that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is presented by Coca-Cola. All right, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to air that pre-recorded interview with Jordan Rogers, myself, and Cam Berry were on that one talk to Jordan a little bit about Auburn of course about their quarterback battle and about some under the radar quarterbacks in the SEC we've already talked a little bit about A&M on our previous phone call with retired Ward MC he was bringing up LSU he's really the first person to uh, kind of push back on LSU's acumen and, and the reason that they are uh, ranked highly to start the year. They're going to be a top 10 or 12 team in the AP poll in the preseason. They're going to be voted uh, at worst second. I guess it's possible they get voted first here uh, in Nashville. They're, they're going to be close. At least they're going to get some first place votes. But LSU heard from Brian Kelly today a little bit. Guys, and what are you expecting out of the second voyage for Brian Kelly into SEC country? I tell you, I think they might have over-accomplished just a little bit. I think Alabama was not quite as good 
as they usually are. I think they will be back up to speed. The biggest question for Alabama is obviously the quarterback position. LSU doesn't have that question. Jaden Daniels, we saw him walking around earlier here today, very tall kid, uh, but uh, and a really good quarterback as well, uh, and a guy that really earned my respect last year watching him play. So LSU is the team that, for, for a team that feels usually very, very volatile, you know, I, I use that word a lot, but, but a team that has a very high ceiling and a very low floor, I feel like we know what to expect out of LSU this year. I think they're, I think the best version of this team is a team that compete, can compete for a national championship. I think the worst version of this team is a team that's going to get at least nine wins because they're, they're that talented, they have a good quarterback, and they have a head coach who has proven he knows how to win the close games in the Southeastern Conference. Now, they do have to play Alabama in Tuscaloosa this year, and for that reason I think that they finish second in the West. But I absolutely think that LSU is going to be a really good team this year. And I, like I said, the best version of this team can't compete for a championship. Yeah. Oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, no you, you go. go ahead. No, you go wow. ahead. Wow. I want to hear your thoughts wow. on LSU football. That I'm was sorry. I didn't, awesome. I didn't know if you were going <laughs> to give your thoughts. Go so ahead, you two LSU. have known each other for how long now? Uh, a few years. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, LSU, it's LSU day here in, in, in Nashville. And, the the fighting tigers from the bayou it, it's a it's a good club um I, i'm i'm kind of wary of them this year i i do you know kind of see where brant you're coming from where they could have overachieved last year but you know you can't really discount what brian kelly was able to do because of what you saw he was able to do at uh at notre dame for the several several years he was there and heck you know even uh before he was at notre dame when he was at cincinnati right before he went to notre dame he had both of those teams uh running you know they, they were really good teams they were contenders uh when he was at both of those clubs um there were some lean years at, at notre dame and and we you know we've we've documented that uh, we talked about that last week on the show but he he was always had Notre Dame in contention, and Notre Dame is one of those schools that yes, it is uh, a power of the the college football. It's one of the big blue bloods of college football. But when you you look at the the current landscape of college football, uh, Notre Dame is still a school that's it's kind of like a, a Georgia Tech or a Vanderbilt where they've got uh, academic restrictions. You've you've got to meet a certain academic. A standard to go there and with teams like Alabama and Georgia and, and Michigan and Penn State uh, poaching all the players from around them USC you know a, a big power uh, you're you're standing there as, as LSU you uh, or as, as uh, Notre Dame and you're able to, to compete with those teams with you know with the few restrictions uh, he's, he did a great job at, at Notre Dame I think he's going to continue to do a good job at, at LSU I, I do think he could take a step back this year because I just I don't think Nick Saban stays down for that long. I, I think uh, it it was uh, I heard somewhere uh, earlier, and I, I was passing by a table. I actually heard it uh, down Radio Row, and it was someone making the point that Nick Saban does is never gone three years without competing uh, three consecutive years at Alabama without competing for a national championship, and it would uh, or without winning a national championship. Maybe that was it, but and so. In order for that to happen, either two SEC West teams would have to get in, and that would mean Georgia probably wouldn't get in, or LSU does not make the SEC championship, and I think that's more likely of the of the two that we see another Georgia-Alabama in the SEC championship. I think LSU is going to win some good football games. I think they're going to come out. They're going to be strong. I would not be shocked if they win that first game down in Orlando against Florida State, uh, but... You know, you, you look at some, and Jason Caldwell even made the point, you look at how LSU played a little bit last year, especially against Auburn uh, last year, there were some points where you're like, mm, 
is this team really a contender here? And they proved that they were by beating Alabama. But it, it's you know it, there's they, LSU is one of those teams that I could see either finishing with eight to nine wins or ten to eleven wins. There it's uh, there's a there's a pretty wide margin there of where I could see them finishing this year. I, I mean I. So I'm, I'm kind of the way that I am with, like, Texas A&M. I always keep saying prove it to me. They always – it seems like everybody always has A&M up there high and, and a lot of – and I always say prove it to me. Well, LSU proved it last year, so they've already proven it. So I can see them being I, – I can see them winning the West again. Uh, you've got their quarterback coming back. You've got a very proven head coach uh, that knows how to win. Uh, I don't see why not. Uh, but yeah, I mean they they could have overachieved. We'll we'll see. But uh, they have proven it to me already. And so uh, you know, honestly, you know, if I if I was a voting guy, I might actually put LSU there mainly because uh, the quarterback play right now. They, right now, there's a huge question mark with Alabama at quarterback. Uh, now, has that ever stopped them? No, not really. But <laughs> I mean, it's a huge question, uh, and you know that's not a question with LSU. So. Uh, I, I could definitely see LSU doing it again. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for the Tigers is I feel good about their offense. Now, I don't think Daniels is going to go put up Burrow numbers or anything like that. Like, I don't think it's on the table that LSU just becomes, like, the best offense in the country. They will be a really good offense, and they have a very high floor for that. I don't think they're going to just be some some disappointing offensive team. Right. The defense, they do have a fair amount of returning stars. And I want to remind you of someone that's not here because he is an underclassman, but Harold Perkins, that freshman from last year, was a five-star linebacker, made a ton of really crazy athletic plays for LSU. And LSU's always seemed to kind of have somebody, maybe a corner uh, of years past with less miles, maybe a pass rusher, somebody that's usually graded out as an elite defender that's usually anchored what has been a really good defense. I just think LSU is going to be pretty good on both sides of the ball. I'm not sure that they're elite necessarily at either side of the ball, but I'm also thinking that they're not going to be below average or maybe even average. I think they're their baseline of somewhere above average for both sides of the ball. So that's a pretty good place to be in, like, as your floor uh, when we're talking about all these other things. Well, what do we know and what we don't know? We don't know. Heck, we don't know who's going to win the Ole Miss quarterback job, but we don't know if what we saw at the end of last year was real, that Ole Miss is starting to have some problems, or if they're going to have another huge explosive offensive year and fix some defensive things. We don't know if Texas A&M is going to be closer to 5-7 and seven and Jimbo Fisher on the way out the door, or if they're going to rekindle some of that stuff from 2020 and get back to where they're recruiting and their money and their resources say they should, should be. We don't know about Arkansas, if that's a regression, or if that's going to be back towards 2021. Heck, we don't even know with Mississippi State, Again, Tony Barnhart mentioned a little bit. I think uh, Will Rogers was brought up uh, when we talk a little bit with uh, Jordan Rogers in that pre-recorded interview. Will Rogers is one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and we're just assuming State's going to be bad and useless and they're going to be seventh and all that sort of thing if they have one of the three or four best players in the conference at that particular position, of which it's the most important position 
on the field. So it's not even like that's just a no-brainer easy out if Zach Arnett does end up keeping a good defense intact and that sort of thing. So we don't know all these things, but what we do know is LSU's also got one of those top quarterbacks back in the league, someone that will probably at least start the year in some sort of Heisman contention. We know they've got a freak athlete who's going to put up some big numbers this year on defense, and we know they've got a coach that, save for one or two shockingly bad years in Notre Dame, has always been around a 10-win coach. Again, the merit to that, you can get into, well, I thought they were overrated and blah, blah, blah. They were in the conference. Okay, great. But the, the reality is that the Brian Kelly went to numerous playoff appearances or numerous uh, New Year's Six Bowls, a couple playoff appearances, and won 10, 11 games year in, year out at Notre Dame and walked right into the SEC at LSU and won 10 games his first year. So LSU is going to be someone that uh, is, is going to be – tough to beat because, again, I don't think there's naturally a huge weakness in their game. One moment before we go to our next time out, we get to that Jordan Rogers interview. Just a quick blurb on Missouri because they exist too. They came uh, to Media Days too. Do we, they? We Well, they, they exist. They were of. here. Uh, they, they, we did see Eli Drinkwitz walk in front of us. We did. We confirmed that. And so we just want to hit on every team each day that they come through because I'm certainly not doubling back to Missouri later <laughs> in the week. That's, that's why also. Uh, we still have point. Vanderbilt to come right, and talk about. Right. And so with Missouri – Obviously, the Auburn-Missouri game last year was uh, the worst football uh, game I've ever watched in person. A, a, a <laughs> comedy of errors. and uh, Calamity of errors. It, uh, it was a, a lot of different uh, ineptitude from Missouri. They still stick with Drinkwitz. They even maybe gave him like another year or two on the contract. They're picked sixth in the East. I, I, I say picked as if it's going to happen. I'm just going to break the news. They're not going to be put above Florida or Kentucky or South Carolina. They're also still going to be, unfortunately for Vanderbilt, put put above a Vanderbilt. I would assume. I, what what's Missouri doing? Should they should they be moving on to a different coach? I, what, what's their outlook? I don't know, man. What is the expectation for Missouri that it has for itself? That's the big question, yeah. right? Because they they went what seven and five last year, or something like that. For most schools. Uh, and I'm not sure of their exact record. Ryan's going to look it up. But for most schools, seven and five is just not good I enough. I thought it was six and six, or it? even yeah, six and six. That's just not good enough. Making it to a bowl game is not a high bar. Six and six with a loss in the Gasparilla Bowl. Okay, so uh, they seven. finished with a losing record, and any team that has respect for itself shouldn't, you know, wow, should uh, should tough. not be satisfied <laughs> with a losing record. I feel like that's not a super hot take. Sure. Uh, well, I, let's let's also remember, it's not like Missouri is just a, a downtrodden program. They they've won the East. Yeah, they they, have. they played twice. Auburn twice. They they played Auburn in the SEC championship game. Yeah, so they know what it takes to get to that level. I, honestly, I don't think Drinkwitz is the answer. Yeah, I, I, was, I was about to ask you, they, what has Drinkwitz done to convince them? that he can get them back to that level for at least yeah. competing for the SEC East. He had a great year at App. I mean, what yeah, does that well, App say? They sure. went 12 more. <laughs> I, I, I'm awesome. Being, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm not being real there. His three years, to be fair, if we didn't have postseason play, he wouldn't have had a losing record because in 2020 he went 5-5, five and five, which was, of course, 5-5 five and five in the SEC. Yeah. 2021, 6-7, six so 6-6 six and six with a bowl loss. 2022, six and seven with a bowl loss. So he's 17 and 17 in the regular season. It's consistent. 11 and 14 in the league. 
which 11 SEC wins in three years for Missouri is not the worst thing I've ever heard. But, of course, you have the, the five wins from the 10-game schedule. But then two bowl losses, so ultimately 17-19 and 19 in three years Ugh. at Missouri. I'm going back to Gary Pinkle because Gary Pinkle is obviously the Missouri coach that had real palpable success. Yeah. And then it, Barry Odom took over for a few years, and, and that got to be a problem. Uh, and, and Barry Odom didn't last too long. But with with Missouri in the SEC, to be fair, Pinkle had the two really good years where they won the East, back-to-back years, 13-14. Well, that was sandwiched in between 5-7 and seven and 5-7, and seven. and then it was Odom and, and 16. So even those two years, I don't want to say they were not real, like it happened, <laughs> you know, you, this was not a dream. That's right. but, I remember Matty Mock, he existed. But even those two teams were a clear outlier once this team moved. They were not the same program that Pinkle had where they went 8-10, 8-10, 12-8 wins in the previous six seasons in the Big 12. So, like, they're trying to find a new normal. They realize this league is more difficult. So it's not like, you know, Pinkle – was consistently awesome, but obviously he had a clear high. Like I think if Drinkwitz could go six and six, but then have a nine and three, and then a six and six, and then a nine and three, I think you could at least be down with that if you're Missouri. But if you keep going, as Brant says, ultimately end up with a losing record. Look, I, I unless you're uh, literally if you're in the Power Five, Vandy and maybe Kansas. Right, I don't even think Rutgers because of what Shiano's done at times there. I, I think those are the only two schools where you'd be like, "Yep, we're down for six and seven. Sign us up right now. We won't fire the coach." Uh, and so Missouri, even though there's not a lot of interest in them, admittedly from from our point of view, from people that listen to our program, like that program is not as in the tank as we make it out to be. Like it's not as helpless as as what we talk about with Vandy. Like, there is a ceiling that exists there that is respectable. And so I think that's why they should be shooting for a little bit more than Drinkwitz. But, look, year four on the more traditional timeline, if this was ten years ago, you'd say year four, that's fine. That's the prove-it year. We're not too mad at three years of being dead dead 500, basically. So uh, big year for Missouri, although I still don't see how their outlook has changed much. I think they're hovering right around that six-win mark. Again, this year, we're going to take our first time out of hour number three. When we come back, that pre-recorded interview with Jordan Rogers. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call Live from Nashville, Tennessee. It's SEC Media Days 2023. We'll be right back. into the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 
here at SEC Media Days here in Nashville, 2023. Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry with you. And we're pleased to be joined by the SEC Network's Jordan Rogers now. Jordan, we're here here in Nashville with you, and of course, you played your college ball here. So, about how time we got Radio yeah. Row here in Nash Vegas, right? Absolutely, right. A nice little change up. Yeah, how good does it feel to be back here in Nashville? And I know that we've been bouncing all over the place with media days, but but again, where you play college ball? It feels great. I tell you what, I'm the one that everyone's asking this week. Hey, where should I go to dinner? Where should yeah. I go? I'm like, hey guys, I was here in 2012. I don't know if you've been to Nashville in the last decade. It is completely different. It didn't look like this right, in 2012. Right. There wasn't a single rooftop down on Broadway. Not one. We would <laughs> yeah. go down on Broadway completely, on Sundays, completely right? Completely different Yeah, scene. Sundays because we had kind of a light practice. Mondays were our day off in college. So, like, we'd hit Broadway on Sunday night sometimes, right. go down to the stage. But there was no rooftops. It is not like it is now. But, sure, it's fun to come back. Yeah, thing, uh, time flies and things change a lot. Uh, we'll get to quarterbacks here in the league in just a second. Let's start with Auburn, though, however. Yeah. Uh, first year for Hugh Free. He's trying to make a lot of momentum in the offseason, and I know it could be hard with, before you even coach the game to really analyze a whole lot of things about it. But just from what you've seen about it, what what is uh, kind of the vibe around Hugh Freeze? How has he changed in kind of the dynamic of the expectations going into this? Well, year? I think he brings a legitimate voice that you can't not listen to when it comes to offense. And I think he is raising the standard and expectation for that offense. Um, and he's putting in a proven system that is going to put up points. I mean, I just think Auburn of recent, back to even Jared Stidham kind of underperforming maybe for his talent in that offense at times, um, the scheme is going to instantly make Auburn better. Now, I think the quarterback situation is going to be really interesting as it plays out, and we can get into that when we get into that. Um, but they've added pieces around the quarterback, and I think the scheme itself is going to really help instill confidence. I just feel like when I've been around this program, there hasn't been the confidence, the swagger that you need on that side of the ball to be who they should be and, the, and to, to produce like the talent that they've had at times. So I think it's a great thing. That West is going to be tough, though. Um, outside of a couple teams, uh, there's a lot of unknown. Right, and um, actually speaking about the quarterback situation, yeah. um, you know, Hugh Freeze brought in Peyton Thorne from Michigan State, um, a starter with some experience as, as well. Um, obviously, we like you said, there is a quarterback battle, but um, he is favored to kind of be the starter. Yeah. Just talk about Peyton Thorne and what, what he brings to the table. Yeah, watched every snap he had at Michigan State. Um, obviously a lot better in 21, but he had Kenneth Walker and a lot of other pieces around him that changed the way you do things on offense. Last year when I watched Peyton, what jumps out on film is he's incredibly fundamentally sound. And so when you watch him work through his progressions, as quarterbacks, we talk a lot about your eyes and your feet following each other, right? Bring your eyes, bring your feet with your eyes, your eyes with your feet as you go through reads. So his consistency getting through his reads and his accuracy through those reads is much better. And it's good because he's fundamentally sound. Now, what I'll say is the deep aspect doesn't have a great arm, has a good arm. I think he takes some chances at times that he maybe didn't need to. But where he excels is in the intermediate. When you look at this offense last year, they had some dynamic plays. Robbie would make some plays that you're like, man, dude's got some skill, right? Right. The problem was when you go back and look at the analytics, the pass plays from five yards to 20 yards, which pretty much takes out the bubble screens and the screens and the deep balls and just gets into the slants, the hooks, the curls, the dig routes, all those stuff that an offense needs to excel at to be consistent – Robbie was second to last in the entire country in completion percentage from 5 to 20 yards. Yeah. Let that sit in. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Thorne, kind of middle of the pack, but that's where Peyton excels is all those throws that should be layups. 
right. right, that move the sticks, that allow an offensive coordinator to set things up. When you're not hitting those layups, an offensive coordinator has a tough time looking at that call sheet going, what do I do? Right. Because as an offensive coordinator, you want to have this plan. You go, okay, when we complete that, here's a layup. We're going to do this and then that. Right? You can't do that if you have a quarterback that you're not sure is going to complete a wide-open hitch or a wide-open dig when it's there. So Peyton brings that, um, which is why I think he'll be the guy to win the job because they need consistency. Right. They need to let their playmakers be playmakers, and you can't do that if you're missing the wide-open guy way, way more often than you should, which at times Robbie's done. Now, granted, quarterbacks can get better. They can improve. You guys have been around it more Absolutely. than I have, so I'm looking forward to see how much Robbie has improved. Uh, but when I watch the tape, that's what I see right now. When we're talking about a situation where we've got a guy that, that clearly can throw the football better than the other guy, but the other guy can clearly run better, and we start talking about packages for a guy that can move, because we're going to assume it's not 100%, but we're going to assume Peyton Thorne wins this job. Right. But Robbie Astrid has a skill set as a runner that very few people in the entire country have. Is there a way to incorporate that without breaking rhythm of Peyton Thorne? Or is that something that you game plan the week before and say, hey, Peyton, there's going to be a package yeah. for Robbie. Don't worry about it. It's not us pulling you because of a, a bad throw or anything like yeah. that. It's just part of the game plan. How how do you got to go about talking to your quarterback through there might be another guy that plays a little bit? I think you have to do that, right? I think Robbie has to have packages because – Coaches and teams only get a certain amount of hours on the field. You make a defense, game plan for at least a handful of plays for another quarterback that's as dynamic as Robbie, then they're going to focus less on other aspects, which is always what you want. You want to make teams prep more than they have to, so they're thinking more than they should when it comes to defense. So I was that quarterback. When I came to Vanderbilt, I was the athletic guy that had a package each week right. before I ended up taking over as the full-time starter. And that was how it was communicated. Hey, here's five to eight plays, and we're going to get him in on the third drive. So Peyton or whoever was the starter knew that, hey, that wasn't because I just had a bad second drive. He's going to come in on the third drive. He's going to have this package of plays, and he's probably going to come in another point. So as long as it's communicated, you don't worry about kind of putting cracks in that confidence of whoever the starter is. But Auburn has to do that. I think Robbie has to play a part in a package of plays if he's not the starter, right? He still could be the starter because he's that dynamic and he's going to force teams to spend time on him every day in practice leading up to that game. Right, and uh, expanding to more quarterbacks in the SEC, yep. um, obviously, you know, they're the high-talented ones, Joe Milton, uh, Will Rogers, and, and um, guys like that. But um, are there any quarterbacks that might surprise you in the SEC this this season, this upcoming season? Yeah, I think there's a few. Um, will Rogers will be interesting just to see how that offense changes, right? right? I mean, they, they couldn't hit explosive plays because they're going against drop eight uh, every single week. So now that this offense is going to be a little more balanced, I think he'll have a good year. Devin Leary's a guy to watch. Because Kentucky gets Liam Cohen back, which I think Liam is instantly, as he was before he left, one of the best offensive coordinators in the entire country. I think that highly of him. I also think their receiver group kind of got forgotten about last year because they're pretty right. talented. They had two years ago Will Levis in Liam's first year, Barry on Brown and Dane Key, two freshmen, extremely talented, more explosive than they've had in a long time. The transfer Tavion Robinson a couple years ago, obviously dynamic as well. And I got a chance to do Will Levis's pro day, Jordan Palmer trains Will Levis, and so I was talking to Palmer a little bit about just how talented, how fun it is to work with a guy that's as talented as Levis. He goes, but this guy, Devin, that's going to be at Kentucky next year, he could be better. So now, Will had his ups and downs. Right. Incredibly physically gifted. I think if Liam was the OC last year, I think he would have had a little better year, but the offensive line didn't give him any favors. So Devin Leary's a guy to watch, because the offensive line's going to be better. 
Liam is a great offensive coordinator, and they have legitimate talent around him. So under the radar, and he's an, he's a guy that, that could really surprise some people this year. Yeah, it feels like more quarterbacks this year uh, having to be first-year starters in yeah. the league. And uh, so we're really excited about uh, just seeing how all these different situations work out. Jordan Rogers with us today on Sports Call. Jordan, the time is greatly appreciated. Uh, we hope you have a great week in Nashville. I know it's just beginning, a lot of excitement. The unofficial start of the football season. Again, we appreciate you being Anytime, here. Anytime, fellas. We'll see you down at Tootsie's tonight, right? Oh, so oh I've heard about Tootsie's. Sounds great. I heard that's a place to be. <laughs> it's one of the places. You can't go wrong, man. Absolutely. Jordan, Jordan Rogers joining us today on Sports Call. Appreciate it. <laughs> Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Grant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. And, of course, you just heard from Cam Berry as well doing that interview with Jordan Rogers as I found uh, Brooks Childress here having a little no. fun <laughs> as we start. Blocker charge. Start. We're, we're getting delirious. It's only day one. Yeah. Are uh, we getting delirious? I'm ready to go, man. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped I up. put uh, down two Dr. Peppers and a sun kiss today. You can be excited. Along with still water, be don't worry, don't worry, my my dear wife Grace. I have had water today. Uh, I've had Mountain Dew. Do the Dew. I, I had a regular Mountain Dew for half of the drive and uh, Baja Blast, which I'm still nursing on for the other. But I'm ready. I'm ready for some Nashville hot chicken tonight. Mm. Absolutely, that sounds Amen. delicious. We're going to the uh, media event yeah. at uh, not Mercedes Benz at the Bridgestone Arena. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's another not even car ne- thing. It's not even Nissan Stadium. Yeah, that's Wednesday nights. Uh, They're all car things. Yeah, well, they have the money to to spend on the advertising. True. In the day, uh, cars are expensive. In case you <laughs> had heard recently, uh, so that's coming up uh, for us a little bit later this evening. At some point today, or not today, some point this week, when we do get delirious, we're going to start going through the <laughs> the drink fridge options what, and how many of them there are. And when we get delirious later in the week, that's when you'll hear our Vanderbilt preview. Oh, goodness gracious! <laughs> what day is Vandy? Tomorrow, first thing in the morning, nine a.m. Yeah, that may Let's not go. get covered. Clark Lee just signed to an extension today. Yeah, that may not get covered. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, as we do each and every Monday, though, keeping the tradition alive, time for best and worst. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No, no, no! Of the weekend. All right, best and worst of the weekend. Let's start negative. Tom, do you have a uh, negative revolving around car trouble, or not car trouble, but just timeliness of truck services? Uh, well, feels like a negative. It's a it negative, like a but I mean, it just you know, I had to. I had to get my truck in the shop, which meant uh, they're, they're not done with it. Uh, I came back from Florida, and it was like, all right, I got to get this truck in and service because of this trip coming up to Nashville. Well, they have not gotten done with my truck. So, rental car. It's what are you a, driving? What is the rental car? Is it uh, something cool? No. Nah, oh. really. Is it I a thought, Nissan? I, would, I thought you were going to. I think it is a Nissan. 
I was, was right. a Corolla. You I was right Toyota. That's Toyota. That's Toyota. what I drive. Toyota Corolla. Okay. I thought you were going to go with Dodge Charger. So you have a Corolla. I got a Corolla. I think what that's year? what it's I don't Ish? know. I don't know. Does that have a spoiler? I don't think no. so. Okay. I'm I just asking He's just driving the car, man. I, He's I'm just driving the car. I, I just really like, get, get, me in, get me in the least expensive thing that will get me to and from Nashville. You see, you only get a rental car every so often, like so many times in your life. Like, I think you go big or go home. Like, I think you should be riding up here in like a, a Stinger or something, a Kia Stinger. Or like a Corvette. Get, get, get the Hummer. Get, yeah. Get nine you rolled up here in a Hummer. No, that been you don't funny. see those very much anymore, do you? Yeah, nine, Cam and I had this exact MPG. conversation on the way up. Wow. They get no miles per gallon whatsoever. That's why I brought up a Hummer. Well, so you got, you got to think of this. I, I just got back from vacation in Florida. Spent a lot of money. Nashville. Tom, listen, you money. only live once, all right? Yeah, How many times are you going to get to drive a Dodge Charger? Oh, I well, yeah. Let's start. Listen. There's a chance of sitting in the back of one. But do you want to sit in the back of a Dodge Charger? You want to be in the driver's <laughs> seat. I most a lot of cops drive Dodge Chargers. That's what I was getting at. Oh. Riding in the back of one. Well, Tyler, ah, you've done it. something bad. Yeah. No, no, I, not me. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 not me. <laughs> no, Matt, I have been behaving. <laughs> I, I, I just think police that, of uh, Nashville. He's driving a Corolla. The irony in trying to get the vehicle fixed for this trip to then not have it fixed yeah. for this trip. Yeah. That's disappointing. That, that's the worst of the weekend to me. Yeah. Brant, what you got? Uh, my worst of the weekend, as usual, my weekend happiness revolves around the Atlanta Braves. And for the first time in what feels like 50 years, they lost a series. And again, to a bad team. You know, the White Sox are not very good, but just the, 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 the lack of timely hitting is kind of atypical for the Braves. And it made me upset. Brooks, your worst? Uh, well, yesterday I had to ride up five hours in a car with Brent. Whoa. So, I mean, that, that could categorize as a worst. You know weekend. you're allowed to travel in my vehicle on the way back. Right? I, I, I didn't know that, but we may, now that I've made this comment, I, I may mean, have to. Right, but you're paying for my gas on the way back still, right? I paid for your parking yesterday, so, you know, hold on. Okay, now. $10. <laughs> it takes $50 to fill up my car. It takes $50. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Uh, well, my worst of the weekend <laughs> is also, well, now it's that I'm going to have to pay for Brant's gas. Um <laughs> uh, hey, to be fair, so well, he hasn't filled up the tank yet. I've already paid for a tank of gas. So I, somebody... fi- I filled up on Friday, and I'm counting that. Okay. Well, so he's a, someone's got to fill up for him. Someone's got to fill up for me on the way back. And all I'm saying is, Brooks, the, the, correct, the correct logic here is my 12-gallon tank yeah, is not I'm, as I'm large with, as his 15-8. I'm riding with uh, Ryan on the way back. <laughs> Good luck, Cam. Uh, my, my actual worst of the weekend is going to be the same as, as Brant's, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, not just that you lost the series to uh, the White Sox, uh, not a great you know, baseball team this year, but it was the first time this year you lost a rubber match and – it was uh, right after, and I we can go back roll the tape. Is right after last Friday, I said Braves have to come out and win this series this weekend because even though they're up, you know, eight and a half games on the Marlins coming into the weekend, you got to start the second half on the right foot. And you know what they did? They didn't do that. No. They lost the series to the White Sox, and so that's that's my worst of the weekend. Well, I don't have a worst because I'm not negative like you guys. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm so negative sometimes. Anyway, the negative for me, the worst of the weekend, uh, is the amount of things I had to do for moving purposes on Saturday. Uh, I have never dusted that much, and (laughs) I have never had to clean that many items. When you keep your college textbooks, it's a great idea in theory, nostalgia, yada, yada, yada. And it's just a lot uh, to, to work with at the end of the day. 
You gonna so, have a moving sale? So nope. Ah, nope. Probably not. It's gonna come uh, rummage through your stuff. Well, the thing is, I've already thrown away several things, ah. and I've already d- d- kind of denoted what I'm throwing away versus what I'm keeping, and most of the throwaway stuff has already thus been thrown away. So uh, my worst is just the continual moving process, which should be completed when we return uh, by the end of next weekend. But that's just yeah, not my favorite thing in the world. Best of the weekend, what we got? My best of the weekend is going to be Brooks's worst, or at least I wanted it to be. I got to spend five hours <laughs> in a car with Aww. my buddy Brooks. <laughs> We listened to the Braves. We listened to music. We laughed. We joked. We stopped we at Milo's in Carrollton, I think. Coleman. Coleman. Um, Very different. Yeah. Wolf. Yeah. 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 Wolf. Yeah. Fair. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Apparently, Brooks did not, and now I'm sad. <laughs> and now that's the worst for and, his next. And week we have today. to spend the next four days together. So. Well, uh, you get to sit on the other side of the table from me. <laughs> so. Tom, there. your best. Uh. You know, my, my best is uh, something that I didn't even get to watch. I just saw the highlights of it and kind of kept track of it. But the uh, Wimbledon men's final, uh, we talked about it. Uh, Alcaraz knocking off uh, Djokovic uh, in, in, the, uh, in the finals. And just an absolute epic, epic uh, match there. 1-6, uh, 7-6, six, six and an epic tiebreaker. Uh, so, let's go. So uh, Djokovic wins 6-1. Alcaraz wins 7-6 in an epic tiebreaker. Alcaraz wins 6-1. Djokovic comes back, wins 6-3, and then Alcaraz finally wins at 6-4. Just an absolute epic back-and-forth match. They say it's one of the, one of the best-ever Wimbledon finals in the men's side that has ever occurred. And like I said, I watched the highlights of it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that was epic. So there you go, best of the week. My best of the weekend came uh, yesterday. Shout out to the folks at Blue Moon Waterfront Grill that we ate here in, in Ooh, Nashville. Good pick. Right on the Cumberland River on the on the west side of town. Here's my here was my menu for the night, folks. I got the yeah, Brooks had a fun night. Hot honey chicken and shrimp on a bed of yellow rice with a side of cheese grits, um, a key lime pie martini to drink. Yeah. And for dessert, yeah, the yeah, coup de gras was the uh, white chocolate blueberry cobbler cheesecake. Goodness. And my goodness gracious, I've, I don't think I've had a, that good of a time eating in a while. And Brooks is still with us. Yeah. So that's, that's good news. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm still floating from it, though. It was Man, I'm still, I still think about that. We love food and we love eating at local places when we get to travel. I think that's not some, like... You know, revolutionary concept. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, you got the blueberry cobbler. I got what did they call it? something? Mud the Cumberland pie. mud pie. Cumberland mud pie. That thing, very similar, like a chocolate cheesecake type thing. And but I, I made the comment, I could eat one of these every day for the rest of my life, and I'd die happy. And nice. And I I've, I echo the sentiment with my uh, with the with we the cheesecake. Oh, so good. It was. It was. It was the best of times. I'm not gonna like the the <laughs> what is it the Charles is it Charles Dickens? It's like it was the it's best a, of times, the worst it's of times. Moby Dick, I think. W- one of the one of those. It was the best of times, and that's it. It was the best of times. There was no worst of times. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was an enjoyable meal for sure. I certainly uh, went to, went to Basket Robbins. We don't have a Basket Robbins in Auburn, so yeah, we did uh, we uh, did stop there for yeah. you. So uh, got some delicious ice cream. My best of the weekend, though. Our Airbnb. Oh, mm, it, yeah. It's a, it's oh. A, yeah. We we got it for the same price that we would get have gotten most hotels. So, like, again, it's not like 
we just paid an arm and leg, although we certainly do appreciate uh, Brooke Myers, our GM, and our uh, sales manager, Wendy Drost, who are a big part of the reason why we're here. And so we do certainly appreciate them for helping us get here. And uh, the Airbnb uh, that we've got is tremendous. Uh, I doubt I will ever own something that nice. Uh, it is a uh, – it's – very new too. I was going to say it says something that that this is what we're ta- we're talking about how nice this the Airbnb is, and then they're not even done working on it. Like there's a room upstairs, like the very top, that there's like it's clearly unfinished. Like yeah. they are still like constructing on it, and we're it's this nice. Yeah, it's it's three it's three floors. <laughs> put it, put it that way. It's, it's very thin, and you've got. You've got two bedrooms on one level. You've got a third bedroom on the upper level. And Brant, Brant's the got the bedroom room. with two beds in it. He can switch beds every night yeah, if he I, wants. Yeah, I could if I wanted to, yeah. Change things I've up got, a bit. I've got my own air conditioning unit as well. It's yeah. very nice. Yeah, Brooks and I are just kind of splitting the AC on yeah. this side. I haven't seen the place that I'm staying in. i got to leave here and go get checked in, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll have her. The, the pictures look fantastic where I'm staying if uh Anybody has ever stayed at the placemaker here in Nashville is where I'm going to be housing myself. So uh, maybe I'll have an update on my uh, on my sleeping and housing situations tomorrow. Well, as a, uh, a head football coach in the NCAA <laughs> once said, we wish you nothing but the best. Yeah, uh, with that uh, with that but, living arrangement. But the other thing is, you know, where my hotel is, it's like just a, a couple of blocks down. I mean, I can walk there, and I probably will walk there. Is the original Hattie B's. So, if you want to, and this is, you know, Roam just a the suggestion. This is, yeah, this is just if you know, if you, you feel inclined. If you want to, if you got enough to bring the next day. <laughs> You know, I, I could, I could, I have money maybe, in the wallet, and you know, maybe that would be. Maybe a you great hold idea. off. You know, maybe find another local establishment to eat at tonight. Maybe get lunch there tomorrow, and you know. Well, see, maybe he needs to go twice. Though, yeah, or yeah, maybe you go twice. Well, all right, well, so lunch I've, sometime this week. So I've already, you know? already kind of like planned out like a couple of my eating establishments. Hot chicken is on. Like, yeah. if you come to Nashville, you have to do hot chicken. Now, Prince's is the original hot chicken here. There is one over by Bridgestone Arena that y'all will be close to today, uh, tonight. The Hattie B's is right there. So, yeah. uh, And then I saw a barbecue place called Pig Leg Porker that I'm going to go to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with a name like that, you got to try it out. That, that would probably be so, pretty uh, good. Yeah. Little some, uh, even though we're in Nashville, some Memphis-style dry rub ribs, mm-hmm. that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, that sounds But that I may sounds also great. I may also have to venture to – Princes and try some of their, see how theirs compares to Hattie B's. Yeah, because I will say again, at least Hattie B's is in Birmingham, and so I've had and it, Atlanta and Atlanta. So I've had it a few times in, in Birmingham. So we might go a different chicken I've, route. We'll I've see. had it every single time we've had been at SEC Media Days, either in Birmingham or Atlanta. Nice. I always go to at least one night. I go to Hattie B's. A tradition unlike any other. That's right. Very fair. Down to a minute or two left in the show. Time for nightly TV guide to wrap things up. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what we got? Well, first off, if you want to watch a replay of the SEC Media Days from today and maybe catch a glimpse of us walking in front of a camera, looking, you know, befuddled that we're here. Lost. Uh, 
that lost. Dazed maybe. and confused. Dazed Where am and I going? Yeah, uh, that's on the SEC Network tonight, late night. Table number 20. <laughs> Other movie picks for you this evening. It's, we're, we're a full slate of movies tonight. Your Marvel fix for the evening. Uh, 6 o'clock on FX, you got Iron Man 3. Then your family movie pick for the evening. Sit the kids down, watch this with them. 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. It, it's kind of cloudy here in Nashville. I don't know if there's a chance of meatballs yet. Maybe a, maybe a chance of hot chicken there falling is, from the sky. Oh, there is a definite chance of some hot chicken tonight. 6.30 on Freeform, it's Pitch Perfect 2. And then 7 o'clock tonight on Paramount Network, it is your DC fix of the evening, The Dark Knight, one of the best Batmans ever made. Uh, that is tonight. And then your sports for tonight, you got some high school basketball on ESPNU starting at 6 o'clock to follow that up at 8 o'clock. Later on tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN, it's the NBA Summer League Championship game. I know we're all going to be tuned into that. Yeah, totally. And then 8.30 tonight on FS1, Major League Baseball second half continues as the Minnesota Twins visit the Great Northwest and the Seattle Mariners live from T-Mobile Park in Seattle, Washington. And that, my friends, is a look at your night TV guy brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it. Appreciate it, Brooks, uh, for that uh, nightly TV guide. Appreciate you being here on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll see if I make it back. Mr. Tom Peavy, enjoy your, your chicken this evening. We'll Absolutely. see you tomorrow. I and will be here. Mr. Brian Daughtry, we appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we appreciate Cam Berry for also joining us today. We appreciate T.P. Hammock for running the board and taking your phone calls. And, again, a big thanks to Jason Caldwell, to uh, Jordan Rogers, and to Tony Barnhart for joining us on the program today. That will do it from SEC Media Days Day 1. For Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, Canberry, and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.